0: Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the much-awaited, much-anticipated Tour de France 2022 preview presented by our show partners, Swift, here with Benji. I'm nervous, but this is what we do best. This is what we train for. This is why we do Valenciana, UAE Tour. The grind is all up to this date. We're going to run through Quick introduction to the course. We're then going to go through the GC favourites and their teams, including betting odds. Then the sprinters' field and points jersey discussion with the sprinters' teams. Then we'll go through the rest of the teams that don't fit into either of those two categories before going into the stage by stage analysis in detail with predictions of who will win that stage and what will happen in them. Then we'll go through for our who will win green, KOM, young jersey, and gc picks so that will again test my knowledge of whether pagatra is still eligible for the young jersey probably is so there's been a lot of news going on the Ineos team just got announced we had a hard date 9 a.m tuesday 28th june to record this whether Ineos had announced or not maybe they knew that and they literally announced it at night so anyway that's great so in the course Going, It starts in Denmark, the Grand Depart. In Copenhagen, there's a 13.5K technical city prologue, S-T-T, but it's not a prologue. Stage two, all these Danish stages look like sprint stages. Could be reduced bunches because of this second stage, 200Ks. They go over a long 20K bridge to Nyborg. Could be influenced by wind. Stage three, much of the same. Could be windy. Could be a bunch of sprint, 180Ks to Sonderburg. Transition day. Fourth day on the Tuesday in a week. The Calais stage, punchy hills, and Northern France could be miserable, could be windy, difficult little sprint stage. Stage five, Aremberg, cobbled stage. It's not like Roubaix, but there's cobbles. 144 k's. It's not as it's like half the length. Stage six, the first punchers finished a long week. three back to back punchy climbs at the end. Stage seven, Super Planche de Belfey, 8 k's, eight and a half percent with a gravel finish at the end. So. We haven't really, we shouldn't have big GC gaps, just a few 30 seconds here or there at this point. Stage 8 to Lausanne, 183Ks, 5K, 5% finish, not a sprinter's day. Stage 9, the last day before the rest day, they have a 12K, 7% climb, then a descent, then a punchy kick up the Chateau du Soleil near the uh, UCI, I think. That's again not the hardest GC day. Into the first rest day, stage 10, uphill, 20K, 4% finish to McGev. Not expecting big cheesy stuff there until the Alps proper stage 11. Col de Grenon after Galibier monster stage 12 Ks 9% straight into the next day, which has the Galibier other side, then Cradle Fair, then Alp d'Huez, nasty Alps. We'll see sprinters struggle before. Some transition perfect break stages. Saint Etienne 193 k's up and down all day. And then the Mendy finish, 3 k's 11%, perfect for Roglish on stage 14. Another sort of break stage to Cargasson 200 k's. You're not hearing much about sprinters at this point. Foy has two sort of 12 k, 7% climbs, 20 to 25 minute climbs, but a descent finish. Not a sprinter's day. Then the Pyrenees, stage uh, 17 to Pera, good back to back 8k, 7% climbs all day, but a short stage, 130k's before the Altacam stage. The last big mountain test, Spandale into Altacam's nasty before the typical stage 19 transition day. And then a 40.5 kilometer TT before Champs Elysees. Flat or oh, flat TT, but rolling, more rolling than you think. What stands out to you about that parkour, Benji, which I just tried to rapid fire? What's the, what's the like parts
1: of that parkour that you think will be the most decisive? I think there's a few phases in the race. I think the most important two days of this race for me are the Alps stages, stage 11 and 12 being that Col du Cano and Alp du West stage. Those are stages that go to high altitude where the real capitulation of riders can happen. If a rider has a bad day, they can can lose multiple minutes there. And that's where damage can be done. And that's where even a Pogacar can get in trouble if uh, the conditions for that are right. And if the competition really pushes through to make that happen, for example. But this is not the only moment in this Grand Tour where stuff can happen, obviously. We've got that initial week that is going to be rather chaotic, I feel like. There's options for echelons on multiple stages. We've got the cobble stage on Aram where... You can't necessarily win the race, I think, depending on the weather. If it's good weather, you can't necessarily win the race. If it's rainy, you might be able to gain a few minutes like Nibali did in 2014, for example. But you can definitely lose the race if you've got a punch or a crash, something like that. Like Chris Froome a few years ago crashed on the cobble stage, ended up falling out of that Tour de France. Was it 2014? I think it was. But in general, that's... Hey, that's that was the Nibali one when he got gifted. Yeah. Yeah, gifted. How dare you? That is uh, an insult. Uh, Anyway, when it comes to this first week, just pretty chaotic. Then that long we stage, that's uh, a bit of a less one, I'd say, when it comes to GC. But it's really a factor where in this first week, you can lose the race, but not necessarily win it, I think, unless you use opportunities with echelons to try and gain time on competitors. But yeah, it's really the competitors not really... Winning the race, then they're losing the race, then, in my opinion. But when it comes to that third week, Pyrenees, it's still all to fight for. That Peraguda stage, we've spoken about um, the Alp stage as being high altitude, being longer climbs. I feel like Peraguda stage, stage 17, is a bit of a, a shorter climbing experience. Do you feel that fits a certain rider like Pogacar over a Roglic or something?
0: Pog, but it's 140 Ks, and he'd have to, his team would have to make it so hard, or others would have to crumble. Like, that's not like Arteden or Portet. It's like 20 minute drafting, 7% climbs. I just, I don't see that. I just don't see that. I think it's the Hispandel Altacam combo is the nasty pairing in the Pyrenees. Perry Good does have a steep finish, but I think that suits Roblich more. Uh, hopefully, they're tight by the time we get there, but yeah, it's a race of. Really stark contrasts where there can be big time gap gains and losses. big, you know, you have trouble in the wind or in the cobbles or Calais. can lose a lot of time. You crack at high altitude, and someone has teammates ahead. You can lose a lot of time. The TT, 40 and a half Ks, Roly, like a 45, 50-minute TT after three weeks of racing you can gain and lose a lot of time. So before we get into the GC odds, mention our show partner Zwift. Zwift is the perfect training playground with training plans, structured interval sessions or group workouts at your disposal, no traffic lights and some flat courses too mean it's perfect for a recovery spin, which is how MVDP has used it after big training blocks and preparing for the Tour de France. To get involved and join Zwift's massive community, head to Zwift.com for your free seven-day trial. And most importantly, during the tour, join the LRCP Zwift Club using the link down below you can join Benji and I for rides during the Tour de France ad hoc ones we'll just jump into Zwift and you can jump on with us and join us for live chat during the stage on the discord but now we're getting to the GC odds Benji we've got dollar $1.70 with Jonas and Roglic at $5 each that's a bit softer obviously on Betfair they're a bit longer sort of at sixes Thomas is fourth favorite at 15. Martinez, his teammate at 19. Vlasov, who's been announced, is 19 after yeah, he pulled out of Swiss with COVID. Then it's O'Connor, 34. Mass, 34. Hague 41. Caruso, 41. Yates, 41. Fulsang, 50s. So I'm just going to say, like, Bogacch is very short, Benji. He's been that short all, all year, um, or for about a year. And he's the overwhelming favorite. But when we look at his team, Pogacar, Bennett, Björk, Trentin, Sterker, Langen, Micah, McNulty, Soler. No he or she who had COVID. I, that's very short for a guy with a team that I don't think is very good.
1: Yeah, I believe that there's been this question for a few times this year already. Is Pogacar overrated at certain parts of the year? And when it comes to Milano Sanremo, it was pretty obvious that he was because people expected him to blow away everybody on the Cipressa already, solo, and just ride right to the finish line. That was not going to happen. That was literally impossible to happen. But when it comes to the Tour de France, I feel like it's a thinner line. It's not that black and white. It's a bit of a gray zone where when you look at the parkour, that first chaotic week, Pogacar's a rider that can handle chaotic stuff in a solo way quite well. But when it comes to his team surrounding him, that's where it's indeed a bit weaker. Like, can this team make sure that he gets out of trouble in this first week? And I think that's also held by the fact that they've got not Hirschi, but for example, if they got a Lange there, I think that's a bonus for that first week. But is that strong enough to make that work? And that's where I'm like, oh, I'm not so sure about that. Because if you look at the support for that first flat week, you see that I'd consider Trenton. An important rider for that. The most important in his team to help him out there. Together with they got Steyker Lengen and Mikael Bjerik. I don't expect George Bennett to mean much on the cobble stage, on echelons. Rafa Maika, McNulty and Soler. Perhaps McNulty could help out. He was pretty strong at a bink bank tour, I think, in previous years. That showed that he could ride in cobbles and so forth. But echelon-wise, I'm not sure for him either. So it's low on support for avoiding the chaos in week one, I'd say. When it comes to the climbing, I trust Bogacar more to be able to solve issues that he's having to deal with. That makes sense?
0: Yeah, but okay, let's let's look at 2020 didn't need a team really. They were okay on Cold Lalos, then he had De La Cruz, but just follow Yumbo train around France for three weeks, then win the TT. Very simple. Twenty twenty one. His team didn't have him in good position on stage three when Hay crashed out. He nearly missed that, nearly crashed there, She he was lucky to avoid it. He then had Ineos pace the first mountain stage in the cold. Richie Port was his best domestique. And then Formula put on the finishing touches, who's not in this race. And then he took three and a half minutes and he'd already taken a minute in the TT and he went into the first rest day on five minutes. So... I'm, it's pretty easy to look good with a five-and-a-half-minute lead in the Tour de France. I am just like I think it's pretty easy to control and look good. I know it's it's never easy, but with Roglic crashing out, I don't think the team was really tested last year. The big test was Stage 7. They couldn't control it at all. They've not controlled messy starts to stage as well in the last two years, Basque Country Stage 6 at all, and... I think Bjerg, Trentin, Steker, Langen, compared to, say, some of the other rulers on other squads is is not as good. And so the first week is going to be very concerning for UAE. I think Trentin's the only guy that's like finished Roubaix on UAE in like four years, maybe apart from Christoph. So <laughs> it's – and the other thing is, what if he is behind? You, we talked about that Perigoude stage, Benji. It's not that hard. Do you trust Soler, Micah, Bennett, McNulty? To be able to set a pace hard enough to say reduce a group to seven guys.
1: Oh, that's that's a difficult situation, you know. But then you look at, for example, the contrast versus 2020, where he was behind. But has Pogacar become better since then? That's also a question. Because in 2020, he was behind for the majority of that, didn't have the team to force much on Mountains, and therefore had to play it on the final time trial and win it there. So If that situation occurs here, will he be strong enough compared to 2020, for example, to actually make that difference over uh, Jonas, Primoj, and perhaps Domestiques there? Because I don't see UAE being able to reduce the team of Jumbo to solely Jonas and Primoj unless Pogacar goes himself. So there's difficulties there, I think, for Pogacar. And... I don't think it's as easy as Pogacar is going to attack and the entire team of Jumbo is going to drop. It doesn't really work like that, I think.
0: Well, I, I believe that on Peresuid, he didn't drop Roglic. Roglic let him go and could have followed if he wanted to. So in stage races uphill, he like he doesn't just... He, I know there's a mythical awe around Pogacar, but uh, we're trying to encourage you in this preview... We're both of the belief that if they go into the Alps and we have people that haven't crashed out, etc., like last year, we think there's going to be a huge fight in this Tour de France and that it's going to be a lot more difficult for Pagaccia than maybe people think. You can't just, on 8K, 7%, be like, I'm just going to ride away from Rolish now. <laughs> it's not how it works. Um, at least we hope so. Maybe we'll be wrong, but I think it'll be a big, a big fight. The second favorite's team. Both the second and third favorites is Jumbo Visma. They bring Roglic, Benoit, Kreisweig, Kus, Laporte Van Art, Ho- van Hoydonk, Jonas Vingegaard. Now, Dennis was mooted to be in the team on the short list for a long time, but I think he got got sick, had stomach issues at Swiss. He's out, and Van Hoydonk is in. That is one of the most strongest Rouleur squads. Like Van Hoydonk Van Aert Laporte but no for the cobbled classics it was ridiculous in like e3 and type races maybe a bit light on climbing do you yeah what do you see that this team is doing benji like i feel like their selection is a is a tip to how they think the race will be won or lost
1: i think so as well i think there is a lot to it when it comes to the those rulers being important in week 1 when it comes to Trying to first of all steer away from chaos themselves in avoiding losing time with the Roglic and so forth. But also when they see opportunities, they could perhaps use those opportunities to get an advantage in that first week. Because otherwise you don't send all these rulers to this race, I would dare to say. But I agree with the fact that when it comes to the climbing aspect, there's something missing. Like obviously roglic and vingegaard those are like top-tier climbers, but those are the leaders. So if you look at the climbing support, then we've got Kuss, Kreisweg, and Van Aert and Benoit, basically. Or do you consider Van Hooydongs climbing enough to be able to support in early parts of the mountains? It
0: depends on the pace. I think he can get over soft-paced ones like Laporte can. I don't think he can really do much damage on them at all. I don't really think he can get in a break on the proper mountain stages and be in the valley on the other side either. I think you raised an important point, which is Kreisberg on Solaison, crazy level, really good performance. Uh, but that's once, and by and large, he's not been good the last two years. Coos is hot and cold. He's had uh, he pulled out of Swiss. His, he wasn't training very much. But then uh, inside line, except it's literally on Strava and public. But yeah, I saw him descending Arculus. So I was going the other direction. And he took the KOM on Arceles near me, uh, which is where Jan Ulrich stormed to victory like 30 years ago. Uh, huge tailwind. But he's looking – his numbers look good on Strava. He looks like he's back in good shape. So that's really good, but he's hot and cold. And benote's climbing in Dauphine Benji uh, was underwhelming. It was not the Olympics. Makuni passed, benote So – but I think they're not going for – I think they're not going for train Choo Choo. I think this is – It has to be two-pronged because otherwise you just have to... The danger is they're light on climbing and then they have to fold Jonas into a domestic role chasing. And I think that's the big problem
1: for them. I think that's something they need to avoid as long as possible because I think the way to try and beat Pogacar is not have a Roglic versus Pogacar fight solo. We've seen that in 2020. It ended up Backfiring in the time trial, I think they won the situation where they can may play multiple cards until it's absolutely necessary to fold one into a domestic role, even if it's the other way around. Let's say Jonas ends up being very strong because at the Dauphiné, I'd argue that Jonas was better when it comes to the climbing than pretty much based on the Solenzon finish, for example. And if you then push that forward to the Tour de France. What if it's the other way around? What if Jonas is performing better by the end of week two, for example? Will you see situations where Roglic might be either the more aggressive GC candidate to try and force something, or a rider that will eventually into- fold into a domestic role, or do you just never see that happening?
0: Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. Depends on the time gaps, of course. Um but I think I think if they take a lead before the Pyrenees, then the onus is on the other teams to try and do something, one of whom just has been announced. The Ineos Grenadiers have their uh, most of the team we expected. No Kvyatkovsky. He announced he had a leg issue yesterday. He won't be participating. It's the, the old guard of Castroviejo, Van Baal, Roe, and Thomas. So we've seen them in the tour many times, as well as Ganner. Martinez, Pidcock and Adam Yates. So Pidcock and Adam Yates have obviously been deemed fit. Their two G C leaders are Martinez and Thomas. Martinez looked good at the end of Swiss and Thomas obviously won Swiss looking in good shape. By the way, I think he he mentioned in his podcast with Cadell Evans, he's like he saw the the article or maybe the graph about his performance and he's he was getting mad about it. I don't know why. Maybe because it said that he was in his twenty eighteen shape, but that wouldn't be good enough to win. Um because like, numbers don't mean anything. Anyway, Ganners for the opening TT. They've got the strong rulers in Rube winner and Luke Rowe, uh, D- Dylan Van Baal, sorry, and Luke Rowe and, and Thomas. I just They're just going to have to full send week one, Benji. That's the only thing I see with this team is they have to throw shit at the wall. That's probably not the right analogy. <laughs> they just have to send week one with their rulers and hope there's chaos and hope everyone crashes behind and then somehow they podium that way.
1: Exactly. It's a team that has the support for week one to create chaos. They've got Gana, Ro and I don't know, when it comes to Pitcock, I feel like he can also be quite supportive in setting things up in that first week. Castro's very versatile in that aspect and Von Barl is definitely a key man in all terrains, but I fear that Making a chaotic first week will have a bad influence on Adam Yates, I feel like. I don't trust Adam Yates for a chaotic first week. Uh, It's as simple as that for me. When it comes to Martinez and Thomas, I feel like Thomas is great in a chaotic first week. But he needs to avoid crashing himself, which is a big factor last year, for example. But I feel like he hasn't crashed this year, right? In races? I haven't seen it, at least.
0: I don't think he has. He probably will have. He only crashes. It's better that they're doing something. He crashes when he goes to sleep. In nothing stages when he just hits a speed bump that takes out Hessing. I think there's a possibility they full send first week, they make Yates and Martinez lose time, they get to the Alps and the Pyrenees, and then Thomas loses bulk time, and then it's all bad. <laughs> so that's a, a pretty big possibility that, yeah, Thomas won't stack up on the big climbs. Uh, but Peacock Benji, I. Like, What's his role in this team? Like, Rodriguez is a much more natural
1: fit to me. Uh, a commercial vessel for the Netflix show is what I see. Now, on a serious note, I think there's opportunities for him in Long Week, for example, to go for a stage. But it doesn't fit in the rest of the team for me. Like, I don't see him as the domestique rider. Although he was a good domestique on, what was it, that stage where Bernal went long in the Vuelta last year?
0: Yeah, on the Covadonga stage, he was good. Him, Puccio, and Sivakov were very
1: strong. Is that something he can replay into this Tour de France in a second or third week on proper mountains? Or do you think that it's not that viable on a high altitude stage, for example? I mean,
0: they were sort of punchy, like 6K, 7% climbs, I think, and they were steady pacing. And Sivakov did the real hard last pull on Koyada Yomena. He did a good work, Pidcock. But, yeah, it's different, as you say, in the big mountains. What's his shape like after being six? Same with Yates. Yates as well. Is Yates a domestique? He's come fourth in the Tour before. Is he, I would say, the Ineos experience? He's out of contract there. Has not been an overwhelming success so far um is he is he part of a trident because i think he should just be a domestique for thomas and martinez
1: i think he shouldn't have been in the team in the first place is that harsh to say i feel like i'd rather see carlos rodriguez who is a full domestique and arguably with Stradi experience likely can get over the cobbles and help out there as well and in chaotic terrain seems to be pretty good as well to be a supportive domestique in this race then adam yates will be that first-year leader that is not sure if he even survives the first week i don't know i'm i'm not sold on I enemy mean, eights for this race at all when it comes to leadership
0: maybe we're thinking about it in too linear a skinny os fashion benji and maybe maybe they're like they're not domestiques pidcock ganner Yates are there to hunt stages and go in breakaways and Ganners obviously going to go for the first stage in the TT maybe they're thinking about it that way in which case it does make sense to have that sort of team construction and maybe it is a good idea to not if I was them I would do that because I'm not sure it would make too much of a difference sort of chaining those guys the entire time other big GC teams for a they have changed the team probably the most of anybody. They bring Vlasov uh, in. They got a special kit for the tour. It's like white flag Vlasov. It looks like a Belarusian flag, almost a kit, which is like, <laughs> Jesus. Um, it's not. But anyway, uh, Vlasov, Kemner, Conrad, Haller, Gross, Schartner, Pollitt, Schachmann, Van Poppel, Sam Bennett's out. They bring a uh, sort of no sprinter, Danny Van Poppel will be able to go for himself with a lead out of Haller and Pollitt, which, been good luck. And Pollitt won a stage last year. And then Camden backs up from the Giro, so he's been a busy boy, but he's got a contract extension. Conrad won a stage last year. I, I don't really understand the team. Like, is it focused on GC? I've sort of said they're focused on GC, but I look at this team and to me it just looks like, a stage hunting team in transition stages and in medium mountain stages and Vlasov will be
1: fending for himself or can it do both i think it's a situation where both is probably the thing in the past we'd have expected sam bennett to be in this uh, team with support the likes of orion mullen van as lead out that i think holler was in that train as well so just in general we are missing part of that train and we're m- seeing that Van Poppel seems to be the man for the sprints here with Marco Holler as support. And I think that's probably a good decision to leave Bennett out of the race based on the form he had in the last year. But it also opens up extra spots for climbers or stage hunters because what would have happened if the entire train of Bennett was in the, this race? Who would have been missing of the other riders? That's what I'm curious about. Would we not have a gros Would Chemna not have ridden the Tour de France, for example? And those are questions I'm curious about, but I feel like there, there's definitely support for Vlasov there. Like, Kemna, Groschartner, right? I feel like there is. Shakman, Groschartner, Kemna, those are wilds you can, you can build on on medium mountain stages. When it comes to the high mountains, you're going to have trouble, I think, with that squad. And that's where those Alps will come in and where Vlasov might have trouble in the Alps with this team. But if you're in the Alps, like... There's other teams that will take it up for him. Like, he just needs to survive those stages. The other stage where he can do stuff, right?
0: Yeah, but I mean, I'm looking at Planche de fee stage, and they should be hard pacing for Vlasov. Vlasov, they need to try yeah. and win that stage. It's the perfect climb for him 20 minutes, quite steep, punchy finish. Like, if even a gravel finish. It's like the Migmo TB stagey one in Valenciano. It's almost like the same duration. Uh, I just think. Kemner, Conrad, Groschartner, Shackman—it's four of four very similar riders. None of them are really, really good in the high mountains, like a Micah. Kemner's probably actually the best pure climber on this day. I would keep Kemner because he's a gun and because I like him. And Conrad won a stage last year, so hard to leave him out. What is Shackman like? Shackman and Groschartner, like I think they got to drop one of them, and they should have brought another Rouleur for the first week. Like, I would have brought Mullen, to be honest, because of the crosswinds, and I'm like, I know Van Poppel, Haller, and Pollitt. Pollitt's not been as good this year. I know. I just think it's they have four of the same rider, and in that case of Lassov, I'm not sure how it will go in both the extreme difficult flat stages and in the extreme high mountains. Uh, But he's... He would have been probably the fourth favorite had he not had COVID, but now he's, his odds have dropped a little bit. Uh, the other GC team, Movistar, not confirmed yet, but they'll have Mass Verona. Verona's looking in good shape. Um, Izaguira, Jorgensen, I think makes his tour debut. Mulberger, Oliveira, Erwiti, so much of the same. And then Garcia, Cortina for uh, the flat stages. Mas, I think, will be going for a top five. And it's it's a fine team. Jorgensen's actually really good. When Jorgensen's contract is up, the the team should come hunting for that for that lad. He's quality. Uh, fourth last year, O'Connor at age two R brings Bouchard, Sherel, Coulthard, De Narsen, Nars and Jungles. I don't think it's a very good team, frankly, for support. And he looks, to be honest, I don't know why he's longer than Thomas and Martinez. I think O'Connor is clearly better than thomas uh even though there's the long tt but benji like who's going to be there in a group of 10 or 12 or 15 out of that group on a mountain stage and do you tr- i mean nastin and de wolf actually is good support on the cobble stages
1: Yeah, certainly those are supportive on a cobble stage the fact that greg van atherma is not in this race for that team i'm not bothered by it at all i don't think he deserves that spot necessarily but i agree that there is no real support when it comes to the uh, end phase of races for Ben O'Connor in mountain stages, but was that expected from Ajda I felt like he was always going to be that, rather that was going to be solo from his team in the last stretch of a, a mountain stage. He signed up as a GC leader at at this team, which is Ajda So is it not expected to be having no real support in the mountains if you're in that squad, knowing that they made that switch to cobbles with half their team spending loads of budget on that i wasn't expecting more than this person i think he's going to be in survival mode in most of the climbs and see where opportunities lie and try and attack loki on stages where he sees opportunities and has the energy for it at the end of mountain stages but i think um i think we're talking about these outsiders these secondary gc riders now and i think their race will be made by the battle above them i think Once you've got a group of 10 in a mountain stage, the battle is going to be made by Jumbo and UAE and so forth. And the other riders will be trying to survive, holding on to whoever gets away of those two, you know? So I feel like it's more the survival there that matters than being able to create opportunities for yourself in the mountains. Does that make sense?
0: Exactly, yeah. Like, I doubt at any point O'Connor is going to be like, you know what I need to do on the (laughs) Spandell stage is I I need my team to really light this up maybe he would i don't know if he's if thomas is above him before the tt maybe he he actually would want that but this these are unlikely it's more like most likely is yumbo or uae one of them will be behind each other and they will light up that climb as benji said and he's just hanging on so i still think yeah i mean i say it's a bit of a weak team but what else can they bring it's not like h2r are stacked behind him uh, the last GC team, really, to mention is Bahrain. they got Caruso and Haig, supported by Turns, Tranic, Wright, Morridge, Sanchez, and Gradek. And they will probably go for a lot of stages and then help. And then whoever is stronger out of Caruso and Haig uh, will be the leader. So, I mean, in terms of GC, Benji, I do agree with you. It's like it really is that tier at the top. And then it's a the the fight for say the podium is really on too and of course everything can change, but we could really see Mass, O'Connor, Thomas, Martinez, Caruso or Haig fighting for that podium spot in the third week while the other two battle ahead of them. So that'll be I mean, that'll be really interesting as well and see how they how they go but yeah before we get on to the sprinters field is there any other gc guys i'm disrespecting uh nairo i don't really see it go to (laughs) um is there anyone else you think that can is a top five candidate
1: will rogoberto uran get his top 10 once again that's a real question i personally don't think so well i think he's going but i don't think he'll get his top 10 nonetheless that aside i want to talk about the aspect that it depends on Jumbo whether the opportunity is there for other teams for that third spot in the GC, you know, because if Jumbo play it really offensively, one of their two leaders can actually lose time as a consequence of trying something pretty aggressive. And that's when opportunities rise for the others to get that third podium spot. If Jumbo would play it really defensively and they just play it with Vionas and Primoz and they're fine with second and third on GC at certain stage of this race, then it might just be Bogi, Vingegaard and Roglic for that top three. So I think the opportunity for that third spot in GC, or even second, depending on how the race evolves, you know, you know, Slovenians can also crash, you know. We don't hope so, obviously. But um you see the same? Like that it depends well, on the other. Yes, kind and, of no. Whether that yes and no. Yes and no,
0: because let's run through your hypothetical scenario where Jonas goes up the road and then Roglic is in the group behind. He's still in the group behind. So I like at what point will he be losing time in the mountains to Thomas or Maas? He has to have a terrible day. Like the idea is still not to deliberately lose time. And then the TT, him and Jonas compared to Mas O'Connor, not Thomas. Thomas TT looks ridiculous. His TT, their TTs will give them another two minutes back. So I think the podium is going to be most open because someone's going to have, is going to fuck up on the cobbles or in the first week.
1: Okay. I agree there. And there's also the aspect of what if Jonas indeed goes early and goes up the road and so forth and eventually he's caught again and he capitulates from making that move. That's where I see. The yeah, exactly. That's where I see an opportunity for another rider to benefit from that and actually take time on that rider. But that scenario where they actually have to go early and so forth, or or they just have a bad day, one of the two Yambo guys or Pogacha. Who knows?
0: Yep. It's possible, and I think yeah, shooting for the podium. I wouldn't just shoot for top five. I would shoot for podium if I was O'Connor, Mars, Thomas, and Co. But I would not. If if I was the Movistar director, and you're going to hate this, or the Azure Desert director, I would, I would give up on winning before the first day. If if Yumbo yep. or UAE attack on on say. Not Super Planche, you should try and follow there, but I'm talking in the Alps. If they're trying crazy shit, I would just play for third. And I'm sorry if that's, but I would. Like, I'd play for third and hope really? that one of the top three crash out or have an issue. Anyway, let's get into the Sprinters teams now. We have van Art as the overwhelming favorite for the green jersey, about similar odds to Pogacar, $60, 70 sort of range. And he he basically has Van Hoydonk and Laporte as his men. It looks like to help with the lead-outs or the green jersey. But the the proper sprinters team we haven't mentioned yet, Quick Step Alpha Vinyl Team. M- much controversy yesterday, Benji. They do not bring Mark Cavendish to the Tour de France, equal with Mehdi Merck's record for Tour de France stage wins. They bring Lampard, Asgren, Gattano, De Klerk, Bagioli, Honoré, Jakobsen, Mercku, three Danes for a Danish Grand Depart. No Seneschal, the French national champion, and Cavendish just won the British national champs. What do you? It's been a huge blow-up, and I think Cav just posted a thing or Sports did about Cav having a call with Jacobsen, so it's all good between them. Let's talk about the Cav thing first. He said he he found out about it via social media. He, I think he deliberately was riling up the, the British public a little bit. Do you think he deserved to go in a vacuum? And do you think he deserved to go on this quick-step roster?
1: I think in the majority of teams, he would be at the store de France, 100%. But if we look at this quick-step roster, they've got their sprint train. They've got Fabio Jakobsen as the one of the two best sprinters of this season arguably the most successful one quite certainly and when you've got that it's very hard to look past somebody like that so you have to select fabio Jakobson as your sprinter here in this race but can you combine that with cavendish also being at this race and that's where i'm like i don't think so i don't see that and a (laughs) reason where i don't (laughs) see it ah you would i know you would but I don't see that because we, we saw it before them trying to combine sprinters. What held the place last year where Alpsen basically destroyed them as a consequence because Cavendish and Ben were basically riding in each other way as well. So I don't know. I um I don't see it as a good solution to take two sprinters to the race that both will want to sprint on the same sprint stages, especially in a ground tour that doesn't have many f- flat sprint stages in the no, first no, no. place. this is how you do it. Y-
0: Fabio gets to do all the sprints in the first until the Alps, right? And then you, Cav's not allowed to compete. He has to drop at three at five k to go. He Helps the lead out as fourth last man. Then Fabio's going to OTL in the Alps, and Cav won't. And then Cavendish gets to break the record in British National champs jersey on Champs-Élysées. It's a genius plan. If I'm specialised. <laughs> And I'm sponsoring Quickstep and I see there's no Remco, no Alaphilippe, by the way, who I mentioned haven't mentioned. He's out because he hasn't recovered from the Liège crash, which is a real shame for the race. He's taken yellow three years in a row, I think, and a stage win three years in a row. And that sucks for like the long wee stages. Um, he's out, no Remco, no Cav, no Alaphilippe. I'm like, fucking hell, like <laughs> it's a bit of a marketing nightmare. and. I think you're like, I'm talking sort of PCM mode, here, like taking two sprinters. I think, I do think the level between Cavendish and Jakobsen is closer than we think. People are like, oh, well, Jakobsen's won 10 races this year. Cav's won more World Tour races. Jakobsen's won one World Tour race. And that's a bit disingenuous because Kerner, obviously, he's not World Tour, but he smacked Ewan uh, after Quickstep brought it back with no lead out. But I'm he's not just been cleaning up world race, world tour races in Hungary. He got sat down by Groner on one of the stages. He parked him and yeah, like, okay, Elstead and Ronda Balwaz is pretty good as well. I do think Cav has had like the Giro people. Oh, well, he didn't have great results in the Giro. He won the first sprint stage of a grand tour when he actually had Mercu. Mercu abandoned after five or six stages. His lead out was absolutely horrendous. For the other stages, no lead out. UAE, he was really good. So I do think the level is closer than people think. As Benji said, how much would Bora
1: pay to be able to take Cav with yeah. their lead out? Exactly. But also the aspect of that Giro, like there was also a stage where Milano basically dive bombed into their train and had an effect on that race as well in, in that way. So I agree that Cavendish was pretty damn strong at the Giro, but I'm still not a fan of combining them. Cavendish and Jakobsen in this Tour de France. And it's also for team dynamics. And perhaps the team dynamics also have a, an influence on Seneschal not being there. Because do you think there's still the grudge from Jakobsen after last year's Velvet no, stage no, at Seneschal? No? no?
0: Seneschal's been in the lead out for the last six of Jakobsen's wins this, win yeah, this yeah, year. Yeah. And they've been at higher level. No, I think. The grudge should be the other way. Seneschal should be like, that was a bit un- unreasonable. I think, uh, yeah, in all seriousness, on sporting merit, you should probably take Jakobsen. Uh, in terms of what I want to see as someone covering cycling in the English-speaking media, obviously, I want Cavendish to go. Like, this, it would be much better for the Tour, in my opinion. He's way bigger than Jakobsen. Even with the sort of comeback story for Jakobsen, I still think Cavendish is way bigger. Like, the BBC was writing articles 10 minutes after his non-selection yesterday. Uh, that being said, Cavendish knew he extended with Quick Step. It has been known that Jakobsen was in the prime spot to go to the tour the whole time. Cavendish was told to stay fit in case Jakobsen got COVID, in case he had the Sam Bennett Monaco doctor knee injury. It didn't happen, so I don't think Cav was under any illusions most of this year, especially when he got when, he, when you get sent to the Giro and there's Jakobsen in the in the squad, like you know. And I don't think Cav was actually, when he's like, I found out on social media, I know you maybe you have a different view, Benji. I think he's playing the crowd. I don't think he actually is hurt.
1: I agree in that aspect, but I've also got the opinion that a good manager still goes to a writer that is on the closed reserve list and says it personally before it's being brought out publicly. I think everybody in the team should be aware of the Tour de France team for example before it's brought out whether that's drop it in a WhatsApp group to let them know internally before you, you bring it out on social WhatsApp. media. <laughs> I don't fucking know he uses <laughs> fucking pigeons pigeon. with letters yeah, on yeah, he it probably. A pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: you I know what know. I mean like? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Think... He should have because just to avoid this backlash because you know Mark's going to do this.
1: Exactly. Like. And you know that certain riders are going to play into that, and Cavendish did so, and I can't blame him for that. I probably would have done the same. I think I watched the British National champs. I did a video yesterday, and there's a lot of angry comments under
0: that. Um, but <laughs> yeah, like you see in the interview, Cav is kind of like winking. He's like, "Oh, maybe I'm good enough." But yeah, he's out. It's a big shame because he's top five, top six sprinter in the world at the moment. Would that be the case if he wasn't on Quick Step? Maybe not, but. It's so annoying, and this is why you have to blame him partially. He re-signed with Quickstep knowing this might happen, that we won't have one of those sprinters in the race. We don't have Merlier in the race. And next year, Benji, I, I, Merlier's coming in. Yeah, it's going to be another big fight between Jakobsen and Merlier. But yeah, they bring – I think we've we've glossed over Seneschal. That's the outrageous one. Like I look at that, I'm like, what the fuck? How do you not bring the second-last man for Jakobsen For a week one with Calais, Arenberg, Denmark, Seneschal, French national champ, when your train, by the way, has not been very good this year. The train is Asgren, Lampart, Mercu. Lampart's second last man has not been that good. I don't think think he's better in the Asgren role. Like, we remember he had the Remco issues in Valenciano, the leadouts, maybe. Like, what's the Seneschal exclusion? Apparently he was told they wanted Honoré to be there for the Danish public. I'm sorry, I like Honoré, but does anyone know who he is? <laughs> and there's 18 stages in France and he's the French national champ. If you want to talk about exposure, the camera sees trickle bang
1: onto the trickle or like talk about exposure. And Seneschal's better for this course. Exactly. I find it after bullshit that, that Honoré is being brought instead of Seneschal, I won't say oh, that Honore I, is a bad rider. I think Honore is a rider. I can definitely do stuff on this terrain. He's probably... I feel like he was always like second last man or something to Alaphilippe after Devin ends quit that role basically. So maybe an opportunity lied in that aspect. But oh, Seneschal would have fit so well on that cobble stage. would have been so supportive for the sprint stages. I just don't see why he's not in this team. And I hate that excuse of the, oh, we got to do it for commercial viability when it comes to the Danish market in terms of Honore, because I don't see that. Sorry, but I do not see that. And then you look at Bajoli, like you say, and that's a it that had uh, a lot of talent at the start of his career. Punchy type has a low-key sprint in a reduced group, then eventually got second in the Vuelta stage last year, Won a French. What well, Ardesh, I think, or something early season last year or the year before? Like he's been popping his head out but has not broken through. And I don't see it. I think he's a breakaway rider in this team, from what I can tell then. Because what else can he do? Is is long he wee. gonna fight for a long week? are they gonna ride they have for him? To. In long they wee? have to. You can't
0: sabotage the train a little bit and not bring Seneschal, bring Honore Bangioli and not go for long week like Alaphilippe normally would have gone for it. He looks to me like the Alaphilippe replacement. So they have to go for it. Otherwise, they don't really – and like Catania apparently is in the team to – he'll pull like in the last 10Ks of stages and to maintain GC position after the TT before Arenberg. But Asgren will be – should be higher up in the TT or around that range as well. So it's – it's not the best quick step team we've seen from both a performance or marketing perspective, particularly the train. Like if you're gonna take Fabio, give Fabio like the best train possible. I know you wanna hedge your bets with the all these misc stages that do suit Honoré Bagioli, but take one of them and then get Catania on the break with them. So yeah, Jakobsen... Coming in, though, with a lot of pressure as the probably premier sprinter in this race. of Soudal bring Ewan with zero of his normal train. They bring Frison, Gilbert, Janse van Rensburg, who probably can't believe he's doing the tour. Kroon, Van Moor, Vermeer, Wellens. No uh, Zelig, no Schwarzman, no De for Ewan. To me, Benji, they have decided Ewan might win a stage, he might not but we're not going to put a whole team into it. And we're going to bring a team that's able to do other things in the other stages.
1: I think they've also learned from the Giro quite a bit in the sense that in the Giro they had their proper train. Yeah. They had some bad luck when it comes to someone getting hit by a motorbike. I think it was Klugor that would call was caught up in a crash that was inflicted by a motorbike. But in the end, that train never really worked out at the end of stages. And we've seen that so much in the last two years where, the Lotto Sudal train couldn't bring you into a competitive position at the end of a sprint stage, and the most competitive position he was in was a stage where he was put by his team on the wheel of the Quickstep train, on the wheel of Cavendish. I think it was a stage where he got second to De Mar, and Janse van Rensburg is the kind of rider that I see as a relatively perfect pilot to put somebody in position at the end of a sprint stage. So I can see this work. I can see Caleb Ewan being put in a good position by Janse van Rensburg, but the Tour de France field is somewhat different. Even than the Giro, for example, I think it's gonna be a a lot harder to get into the right position to try and get a stage win here, and there's less opportunities to do so. They don't have five flat sprints, for example, to try and figure out what the best way is to do it and then actually pull it off. But I've got low key confidence in. Von this man had no contract at the start of the season, got picked up halfway, perhaps a bit too late because they missed out on a South African and sea points, but actually played a significant role in getting the lease on some, some results as well. And putting that forward into also going to the Tour de France, wonderful to see that for the rider. And I kind of like seeing where this goes. I don't know. I'm I'm low key bullish on Van Ensburg. <laughs> very I bullish on it. I hope they get one stage on, very win. Very bullish on it. <laughs> I I want to see one stage win. One.
0: Well, I mean, you got to come into the first week firing. Like, there's two in the first three stages. Then Calais. Then it's Arenberg. And then that's it. You got to wait two weeks for another yeah. sprint. You gotta you got to come in firing. Like Bike Exchange, bring Matthews, Bauer, Derbridge, Groneweg, and. Amon, Grundal Jansen, Jules Jansen, Mazgat Schultz. no Simon Yates, they're all in on Gronenweg and sprints. Matthews I presume they'll go for in Lausanne long We type stages, but Gronevegan will uh cannibalize his uh green jersey points because he'll be going for them in this, going for Gronevegan in the pure brunch sprints. Alperson have a similar thing with Van der Poel, Delia, Gurgel. Krieger, Phillipson, Plankart, Sparagli, Van Kiersbulk, who was good in sort of rebate stuff. That's a maybe not their best team, not a balanced team either. Gogol maybe on the transition sort of up and down stages. But again, Van der Poel and Phillipson will cannibalize green Jersey points from each other, no He's, uh He still has a health issue. So for both those teams, Benji, like I don't really – Neither of them obviously value green because they've brought teams which are incompatible with going for that. And also both of them have brought teams which really
1: can't compete on over 50% of the stages at all. Yeah, exactly. Agree with that. It feels like it's a bit of a one-dimensional team in that aspect where they focus on two-dimensional technically. They've got their sprints and they've got their stage win opportunities. And that's the focuses they have but not stage wins across the entire Tour de France, like you mentioned. I do believe that Groenewegen is a far better sprinter than people think at the moment, oh, he's because fast. I think he's one of the fastest sprinters in the world still. But he just doesn't get the opportunities and perhaps position right in the majority of the ones he writes in that aspect. But like you say, when it comes to Matthews, I don't see the green opportunity there because Groenewegen will cannibalize his points. And when we look at Philipsen and Vanderpool, similar situations there. I do think Philipsen has likely an opportunity to go for green still, despite all of that. But they, he said he wouldn't. So I guess we have to believe Jasper Philipsen now. So he won't go for green, according to what he said. I think it was on, I read it on Heiland, I think, which is a Belgian newspaper. But um, when I look at all these teams for example and all these sprinters across the board and i look at the green jersey battle i still see only one man that has like the golden ticket to getting this right but he also has a team that might be incompatible with that goal depending on how we see it why do you think Aert is perfect to win the green jersey and is it compatible with that yellow jersey fight
0: well first of all his competitors as we've just said Matthews I think if Bank Exchange went all in on green Matthews can win green but they're going for Vegan. so that's a problem number one Van der Poel, same thing we just said his biggest competitor is and then Jakobsen and co they won't pick up enough points he'll just be trying to survive the biggest competitor is Pedersen who's been on and off as well he comes with Chicone Simmons, Gallupin Kiersh, Moller, and Sturven. he'll get a lot of support he's fast he's already beat wout in Paranese sprints can he get over the climbs the reason though as benji alluded to that wow is the short favorite is the points distribution which we looked into a couple of weeks ago you will not believe this points distribution if it was geared towards pure bunch sprinter cav last year and remember matthew still pushed him close fought within 40 points this year it's ridiculous long wheeze 50 points maximum points Arenberg's 50 points, maximum points. There's 20 points in each of the two TTs. Uh, Carcassonne, Lausanne, 50 pointers. I think Saint-Étienne, 50 yeah. pointer. Megève, 30 pointer. And fifth on the Megève stage. Say Lushenko wins. That looks like break to me. Say we have break, three break guys win, and then it's a huge bunch. Montegual, they've done five horse per kilo up the climb. Wow well, can sprint for fifth and take more points for fifth then on champs elysees fifth because it drops down less on the thirty pointers, so it's just so heavily geared towards him. And then even on the carcassonne stage, for example, stage fifteen, like the intermediate sprints halfway up a five k four percent climb, and like it's just it's just stacked towards him, Benji. Like, and Vanderpoel said he wouldn't go. For, I think Vanderpoel could do it because you look at the Giro, he got in the break every day, and also you. This is the other question question you pose will yellow be a problem for wow that's the biggest problem because van der poel getting in the break is a lot easier than wow because when van der poel goes in the break he's not a bunch sprint threat he's not a gc threat he's not a satellite rider people are less likely to chase him do you think teams will chase wow in say What's the stage after? Stage A, after Planche de Belfi, say the yellow jersey's gone to the break, Lausanne stage, this intermediate sprints after a 6k, 4% climb, and it's a 5k, 4.5% punchy finish. I think we might see Bike Exchange not letting him in the break.
1: Yeah, for example, it's the green jersey teams that are then going to affect whether he can go in the break when so forth. And that's what happens on those transitioning stages he'll have to fight the green jersey teams to try and get into breakaways and try and get those intermediate sprint points, which is a logical fight. But the less logical fight for me is when, for example, he is on a bigger mountain stage, a mountain stage where he can both play a role to go for intermediate sprints and perhaps be a satellite rider for the opposing, uh, well, for his GC leaders on a stage like that. Well, that's where it becomes troublesome because then he will have have both the green jersey people being interested in chasing him and the opposing gc teams might not be so eager to let him go as well so that's where multiple teams come into play and that's where the gc fight could actually start hindering the green jersey fight for him as well and there's also the added effect that wild cannot do everything for 21 days he needs a bit of a rest between there as well so he can't go all out for every single day and there's going to be days where he's going to have to focus fully on yellow, for example, when it comes to helping out his GC leaders. And there's going to be days where the green jersey will be his main goal. And one of the stages that I'm looking at where I'm curious what they will do at Yambo is the cobble stage, for example. Because on one end, you'd say Wout Fanon has the ability to uh, win this stage, although Ms. Miss Pedersen is the likely candidate I would push forward for that stage. I don't know. I feel like... If Wout Fanard is indeed chained to Roglic and Vingagoth, for example, there to try and get them through the stage and so forth, he will have less of an opportunity to go for the stage and might not have the maximizing points that he needs on a stage like that, for example. But if he has the opportunity to go for a stage like that in some shape or form, whether it's after X amount of cobble sections of keeping the other safe, go for it himself or just all-out carte blanche for that stage, then he can maximize his points on that stage as well. What do you think they'll do on that stage? Uh
0: I think they will have him and the others protect Roglic and Jonas and hope that a split happens. It's not too chaotic. And he gets to just... At 5Ks, after the last call, they say, OK, wow, well, you can go for the sprint. I think that's what will will happen i think his big problem is if alberson or someone send it and then you know he will have to let mvdp go up the road that's the big risk i still think he walks green i just think it's so geared towards him and mvdp and matthews are kind of being sold by their team construction pedersen's the biggest threat can pedersen climb yep. that well for three weeks i think pedersen is the really really big threat he's, Wait. B- he's motivated too brian Kokar. Listen, Lecoq, like he's a good rider. Like he <laughs> yeah, agreed. I, I mean he and he's got what is volsheim back? He is volsheim's back. Benjamin Tomar. Like it's not a bad little I mean Perez, LeFay, Geshke, Guillaume Martin, Guillaume Martin go for top ten GC. I oh, know I like Lecoq. I want to see him win long I really would. I'd love to see it. <laughs> um maybe I'll even pick him. Uh no Damar here, Christoph here for Marche. Uh, with sort of Petit and some of the other guys. Quinton Herman's got left out. Uh, he doesn't know why. No one knows why. And, yeah, Sagan's here. We haven't mentioned him. He's had COVID. He was looking good in one Swiss stage, but he's just not He's not good enough consistently across three weeks. But hopefully, hopefully he is there in the green jersey fight. He's won it like seven, eight times. But that's all the sprinters teams. Uh, The main ones, at least, Jakobsen looks like the best bunch sprinter with the best train, but there's no real FDJ, Giro-level or Quick-Step Tour de France-level train as of uh, last year. I'll just whip through the... I'll call them the MISC teams uh, a little bit quickly. Uh, Quintana with uh, RK is the headline with Barge and Ofsted are going for stages. Ofstede could maybe top five, I uh, wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Israel bring Fulsang for GC, Clark, Froome, Goldstein, Ull, Impey, ne- Nalens, Woods. Uh, Ull and Nalens actually in really, really good shape. Same with Impey. Uh, I would have left Woods out because uh, he has to go for KOM more stages. Uh, Planche de Belfi from the break Mike please lose some time because you will lose some time in the early stages with the TT just lose a lot go on the break beat Pino on Planche de Belfi happy days uh, but Fulsang should try and go for GC even though he's been doing that for 10 years uh, b and is Bonomo and Mosato EF we don't know we presume it's Uran, Guerrero, Court, Paulus Ruch, Betiol, Bisiger. Bissega will be going for yellow on stage one yeah. he can genuinely do it
1: Ruben Guerrero, I want to talk about him for a second. Climbed very strong and move on to the Nivelle Challenge. I feel like he definitely has the ability to win a mountain stage or at least a medium mountain stage or a transitioning stage in this race. But there's also the factor of that KOM jersey, for example. Do you believe that Ruben Guerrero could be in the rake no. so many times? Has the kick towards KOM? No?
0: I haven't looked at the points allocation as closely as the points jersey, but I think he's too good. I think, he'll be, I think he might be going for GC. In the first two weeks, like until he drops out of it, I don't know. I I think, like, look at how he rode DoFoday. Mm, yeah. Like, I feel like he might be. He came ninth there. I don't know. I I think he might be going for GC. Um, but he looks class, and I agree. He can win a he can win a break uh, mountain stage. Uh, Lutsenko leads Kaz- uh, Stana Kazakhstan with Moscon there and Felline and Dombrowski, Not the best team. And I think that's everyone except FDJ and DSM. So, FDJ have got the Trident of Stora, Godou, and Pino. Pino won the Tour de Swiss stage. So, then he said we have to leave out Army Rail, who's much better than Duchenne, because I think Duchenne is his friend. And so, they brought in a ruler to protect GC guys who will not do well on GC anyway. But-
1: so what do you think about stefan kung he's been hunting the time trial win in the tour de france for years and this year he's gotten really damn strong outside of that time trial terrain he's made a bit of a a switch but in my opinion better to where he was very strong on that paranee's final stage he was extremely strong during the entirety of the tour de swiss ended up in the top five there and gc kung was a thing there In Omloop, he was arguably the best rider outside of Wout Fanard, in my opinion, in that race. And then when, when when we look at this Tour de France, I think there's actual options for him to win a stage outside of the time trials. Let's say Lausanne, for example. Yes, there's climbing up parts there, but we've seen a lot that there's moments in these transition stages where a rider rides away before the final hill, and that could be a king that plays into the group dynamic and so and rides away that way or do you fear that Groupama is going to be the team that puts Pino in the break with Stefan Kung and lets Kung ride for Pino the entire way through?
0: Imagine they chain Kung on stage 5 and they're like Jumbo oh. Visma they got Wout for <laughs> Roglic and Jonas and they chain him for like come on uh, stage oh. 13 is sort of one you're thinking about like perfect for him um, Saint- Saint-Étienne stage from the break like he you really should go for that but yeah I mean Pino should go for stages in KOM. He should just lose time, try and win on Superplanche, try and win one of the Alps stages from the break. Godu will try and go for GC. I feel bad for Rail, but it is what it is. Uh, DSM bring Bardet, not for GC. Dinaze and Degenkolb. Echo for sprints. Hamilton, Lechelsen, Tuschfeld, Verne No No, Sørenkra, Andersen, because he's leaving the team, even though he's Danish, and their highest point scorer this year, so that's a shame for him, and that's enough said about them. So, That's all the teams. That's broadly all their goals. Uh, There's a lot of talented riders that won't be here. COVID has affected preparation for a lot of riders and sickness. And, yeah, but we still at least have the headliners of, well, there's no Bernal, obviously, but we have the headliners of Roglic, Pogaccio, Jonas, Thomas, Yates, and uh, Martinez. Now on to the stage-by-stage analysis We've already mentioned some of them or alluded to them briefly, uh, but with all of our picks, I've already got my stage one ready from Copenhagen to Copenhagen 13K CC technical TT. I have to pick uh it's wow it's wow Organa, but I think I'm going with wow, I think wow okay. wins the TT.
1: I'll be honest, I think that Wout and Ganna are the top two time trialists in the world. But I feel like being spicy today. Let's go for Macho Vanderpool for this one. Nah, no way. I'm going for Macho Vanderpool. How does he Vanderpool. beat this?
0: I don't, I don't think he'll top three. How's he going to beat this? <laughs> like, Biss has been... Oh, he, I think he's been sick. I don't see it. Uh, oh, but he's so good technically. You're right. Remember on that TT, Benji, last year, stage five, he like took three seconds back in the last corners. You're right. He's good. To hit, good handling. All and right.
1: Next to that, we know that from the Giro that that Vortex speed suit that Bike Exchange was using had a pretty good influence, most likely. And it turns out that Alpesin is now working with Vortex to also have that. And Vanderpool will be wearing that in the time trial. So with a bit of a boost there. So I don't know. I, I see an opportunity for Poel to to get a good time trial out, but I don't have a clue what his form is at all at the moment. I probably think it's okay because he's going to the Tour de France. But yeah, I believe in a, uh, in a good result by Poel, Whether that's winning or not, I don't know, but I'll pick him anyway for the victory. Copenhagen's technical and so forth. So I believe it, but I don't expect any proper GC gaps in that first time trial, although 13 kilometers can lead up to 50 seconds to the Buchmann tie, but he's not in this race of goals. So, I don't know. Between like Pogacar, Vingegaard, and Roglic, I see a max of like 15 seconds. Max, not more.
0: yeah. Should be six seconds. I think Roglic is the best GC. I know ah, Thomas, but I think I think Roglic, Thomas, about same time, then five seconds to Pogacar, uh also. Uh, his Basque Country prologue was a little bit weak uh, last year. But yeah, I've gone well. Benji's gone MVP. That means Ghana will win stage 2 50 pointer again uh in terms of points the Nyborg stage I'm going with Fabio Jakobsen Benji I don't think there'll be huge splits and a group of 5 riding away on the bridge I do think maybe someone will crash in the run in unfortunately but I'm going Jakobsen uh in this effect you know probably wind affected stage 2
1: yeah I think we'll likely have headwind on the bridge most likely which means that there might be some chaos before the bridge instead but it's not the most open terrain there then, so I don't think there's going to be too much echelons on the end of this stage. I hope there is, though. But when it comes to the final here, I I believe that even if there's echelons or without echelons, I'll pick the same rider. It's the rider that came second in a lot of sprints in the Tour de France last year. I think I'm going to go for Jasper Philipsen on this one. I feel like he's a really fast man this year, and I feel like... Quick step might get it wrong with their sprint at least once this Tour de France, which means that it might be on this stage. So, Philip's in his mind for this stage.
0: Arpelson definitely have more horsepower uh, overall in their team. Stage three from Vierierle Vier- to Sonderbild. Okay. Anyway, that'd be windy wherever this place is. <laughs> uh, it's another sprint stage with not too many big, it's sort of rolling 2% climbs. It is in Denmark after all. And I am going with. Jacobsen again, because I'll be right on one of the two.
1: I'm going for Jacobsen on this one as well, and hey, I might be wrong that Jakobsen wins the previous one and Philipson wins this one, for example, but I believe they both will win a stage in this Tour de France, and they might be these two stages. I will say, I feel like this might be the more yeah, pure sprint stage compared to the previous one, personally. But hey, it's Denmark, so I shall possible everywhere. So exactly, yeah, that's it when it comes to the first three stage in Denmark. A a start that has some chaos in there potentially, but nothing too crazy. But chaos can follow up in the next stage as well, which is stage four from Dunkirk to Calais, which also passes in Belgium for a tiny bit on the Castleberg early on. So hey, we're a part of this Tour de France as well, people. But there's quite a few of these small hills, so. I think that the KOM jersey will probably change shoulders on this fourth stage, but is there opportunity to have these last two hills used by a team, for example, to get something done? Yes. Or will the echelons play a role here? What's your take?
0: Yes. I think this is the sort of Paranese stage one, tricky little stage. It's not as long a climb. Oh, no, that's not true. Um, I just see Paranese stage one all over here. And... I agree with Benji, this reminds me of that, that remember that stage where Schelling and Perez that just fought the sprints for the KOM and we, <laughs> this is like that, like there's so many cat four climbs, there's like seven of them. But as Benji said, it's you know 170Ks, there's two little short climbs, there's a lot of climbs all day and they can sap the legs, particularly over Jacobson, but there's two short climbs, the last of which is 1K 7.2%. 10Ks from the finish, that's about the same distance that last climb in Paranese was stage one. If I was Yamba Visma, I would line this out full gas before those two for two reasons. First, it helps well. Second, it keeps Roglic safe and you know safe. Third, it could fuck up someone like Yates Martinez. Yates and Martinez, they got on the wrong side of Denkob on that Paranese climb. So I would apply pressure very hard there. And then I think Jasper Philipsen wins the stage. He gets over these little bergs quite well. It's between him and Pedersen, I think, with Wout going for top five. I think Jakobsen will struggle. Ewan, I don't know his form, but I'm going with Philipsen here.
1: Ooh. I'm going to go for Wout Finade on this stage, and I don't know why. It just, I just see an opportunity there, and I don't know in what shape or form, but I'm going to go for Wout on this one. I don't think his sprint is a... No, I won't. Mess Pedersen. Mess Pedersen's going to win this stage. Yeah, I think it's Simo Philipsen. Okay, Mess Pedersen. There we go. I feel like it reminds me of not necessarily that first Paranese stage, but the other ones where it's a reduced group necessarily, not necessarily the big pure sprinters all at once. And I feel like Pedersen a better finisher than Wout moment when it comes to a sprint. But that's it for that. Well, actually, do you think Rona and and Jakobsen
0: get over it? hmm,
1: I don't know. They should, you know? Like, they it depends really on how should. hard it's pushed, but they should on paper. But, but I'm Alveson gonna say it's and, and Trek anyway. and Jumbo
0: have to send it, right? For
1: that reason. Yeah. or Certainly, Trek needs to stage. They did it for bloody Stuyven and Dauphin. So <laughs> oh, if they don't Jesus, do it for yeah. Peterson in this race, <laughs> then, then there's something wrong with the plans in their squad, personally. But another opportunity for Peterson the day after, in my opinion, Lil' Metropole to armeric port there is a, a total of 11 cobble sectors in the second half of this race, of which I'd say the last five will probably be the most decisive ones. But is this Roubaix level cobbles? No, there are cobbles that are featured in Roubaix, certainly like Eta and Tiloise sectors, which is the seventh and the ninth sector on the day. But I feel like this might be more a race of trying not to crash and trying not to be hindered versus trying to attack. Do you see, for example, Pogacar and Roglic use this stage as an opportunity to attack each other?
0: Hey, UAE are just thinking survival here. Like, I think there's a downhill cobbled sector that they're going to do at like a million kilometers an hour, which is terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) And UAE already complained about it. I I don't think UAE are going to... I think they're in survival mode here because like you can't win the tour. Their back is climbing in three-week consistency, but you can lose it here or have a mechanical. They've had equipment issues all year, uh, UAE, and yeah, I think they'll be just trying to survive. Yumbo should send it. If Listen, if they send it and one of their guys, you know, if he dies, he dies. But if Bogatio goes with him, what a great <laughs> result. Like that's how I would approach it, to be honest. They got the team for it. Like you don't bring that team. And not send Calais, Arenberg stage. Like otherwise, what's the point? Um, You got to use your biggest advantage compared to UAE when you have that advantage. Same with um, uh, with Ineos. If there's any, we haven't mentioned yet. If there's any crosswind, we don't know exactly which stage. The weather can change. If there's crosswind in that Denmark stage in Calais or on the cobbles here, they're going to send it. Like. They have to. They always do. Ineos, every time there's a sniff of wind, it's their biggest advantage. They've got Roe, Van Baal, No Kwiatkowski, but they've got Thomas. Like, they have to. And so, expect to see that. That being said, as Benji said, it's not Paru Bay level, it's 150k stage. I think, uh, like, is it easy enough that Philipson can be in a reduced group here? Like, Pedersen probably the favorite yep. for the stage, but how does. Like, Vanderpool has to go for it, and he has to go
1: for yellow at some point. So. Like, how do Alperson balance those two? I feel like Van der Poel is the attacking rider, and Philipson's the one that sits on and tries to follow the riders that try and counter him on a stage like this, and I think it will be pretty hard to ride away, but I think Dane Kolb, Van Avamad and I think Steven did it in that, were it those three? I don't even know if it was those three, in that previous couple stage in 2018, I think, but... When it comes to um, this stage, I also wonder who's going to be in yellow at the end of the stage. Like you say, is of Vanderpool going to go for yellow? And I'm like leaning towards the fact that I think Pedersen might be in green after the stage. But when it comes to the yellow jersey, I think it might be Wout.
0: Uh, yeah, it's between him, Pedersen, maybe even Gana, to be honest, if the others don't take any bonus seconds. Along the way. But if Arnold Hall gets a gap. You know. You only need 10 seconds plus bonus. If he wins the stage. Uh, we need to give our picks. I'm going with Mads Pedersen.
1: Damn it. I was also going to do so. Um, yeah. I'm also going to go for Pedersen. Doesn't matter if we both have the same one. So. I'll do that anyway. And uh, we go back to Belgium. Because we like Belgium. The day after. Bash to This is a stage on which. Uh, I feel like there's some intrigue there. Because. The final. 15 kilometers is where it gets interesting. Four consecutive climbs, the first of which is the montigny sur crier climb, 1.6k at 4.1%. Then we go towards the next one, which is 2.3 kilometers at 4.3%. On to the next one, which is 800 meters at 10.8%. And then the final climb is the Côte des Religieuses, 1.6k at 6%. How hard is that? Is that too difficult for a punchy sprinter like a car, I think it is I think so, like ten percent for
0: a k is eleven percent for eight hundred meters, not even the last climb, and they're going to be even if you make it over these guys are going to be sliding back, and then there's the descent there's no flat to make up position. I think if this is pinned like this has to be this is Vondapool, Walfa Bagioli. Even Roglic and Pagacha honestly, this is where it gets really tricky for Jumbo Visma because Roglic can win this stage or at least compete for bonus seconds. But they got Wout here who on paper should be the fastest finisher for it and I want to go back before that even starts for that, the sort of long flat before, who's controlling this stage, Benji? Like a Jumbo going to invest – a uh, Nathan van Hooydonk or someone to pace on this stage, controlling the break, will bike? I, I think bike exchange have to. Otherwise, why are you bringing Matthews at all if you're not going to give him a chance on this stage? Will EF for court? Will Quickstep for Baggioli? Do you expect all those teams to pace? Will Alpsen for Vanderpool?
1: Hmm. I think, I think that- they all should. I think Alpecin certainly will try. Quickstep, I don't believe it without Alpha, Alaphilippe. I don't think they will for Bajoli on this stage, personally. I, I'd be shocked if they actually do so. But if they do so, well, fine for me. To be honest, I'd rather see the Peloton sprint up these last two climbs than have a breakaway win it. But when it comes to the other teams, like when it comes to Jumbo, they've got those two riders, Van Aert and Roglic, who can both get something out of the stage This being a 50 point stage is really valuable for them when it comes to the green Jersey. But will they use the opportunity? I'll be honest. I just don't know. I don't know what to expect from that camp in, in this final. And I think that usually on paper, a GC team would not do this, would not control a stage like this.
0: Yeah. but
1: This is a difficult situation.
0: I don't, if no one helps them, they won't do it all day. Then they'll need help from Alpsen and, and others. I think Wout wins the stage, and I think Pogac is a real chance as well, depending on his positioning. But he, he, it's also an opportunity to put pressure on him and Ineos uh, with that strong team. So I think, I think Wout wins the stage and goes into yellow.
1: Okay, I've got a different name for you Benoit Cosnefoy.
0: Yeah, well, he's been a bit absent. He he should like this is perfect for him. They not are they bring Madouaz? Is Madouaz on FDJ? I mean, he's pretty punchy as well. But yeah, yeah. I I think watch out. It'll be Vanderpool and uh, Wout will be the yeah, favorites yeah. for this this two stage. Yep. And I think Beck should go for Matthew. Stage seven, Wout might have the jersey, but I think it'll probably be given away by the whoever has it. Especially well, now it's not sure if it's Pedersen. Uh, stage 7, 176Ks from Tomblaine to Superplanche de Belfi. Pretty easy stage beforehand. And then a 7K, 8.5% climb with steep sort of gravel finish. That's why it's called La Superplanche. Uh, I think it's in the Alsace region. I think this is breakaway. I don't see why any GC team would invest for uh, to try and get the jersey at this point and for the minimal time gaps uh, it's a twenty-minute climb. You can still take twenty, thirty seconds. Don't get me wrong, but I don't see it. I'm going with. Oh, it's going to be between Pino, if he's smart enough to lose time. Guerrero, Bardet should lose time. Bajoli, like Bouchard. I'm going with Thibaut. Ah, oh, no, 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 it's not sure. I'm going with
1: Dylan Turns. I'm going to go with. Oh. What is Cristiano Rodriguez going to do in this race? Is he going to go for (laughs) GC or is he going to go for a stage? I'd like to see that guy win a stage, but I fear for it. I think Pino is a big shout for a planche de Belfia. I think um, Bardet is a good shout for a mountain stage in general in this race. But it really depends on who's going to actually lose time, like you mentioned. And that's where I see the issues there. And. I might be leaning towards. I'm changing my pick. Chicone? Simmons? One of those two?
0: Chicone is a good call. Like, they've got to lose time. Chicone is, you know, quality climber, but I'm changing my pick to Leonard Kamner. Uh, I can't go past Ooh. the breakaway master on the first uphill finish. <laughs> like, I'm going with Kamner <laughs> for this. And I should have mentioned for we disrespected Dylan Turns, flesh winner. He should be in the mix on the stage before as well. They got Moritz Fred, right? Pardon?
1: On Planche La before? Yes. I
0: think so. But I'm in for the long wee stage. Like, okay. I think he... They, they'll they be yeah. in the mix too, Bahrain.
1: Not fast enough.
0: Yeah, I reckon. I know that... Yeah. But they will... I think they will they will be part of the race with the team they brought. Right? Yeah. Moritz, they will be part of the race.
1: <laughs> Congrats, hot take. They'll be part of the race. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whoever... Ta- I think the breakaway winner will take yellow on stage 7, I think. And then stage 8 is yeah. this first... Should be... Well, I say nailed on breakaway stage, but if you're bike exchange, Benji, you've got to just, Matthews has to go on the break, right? Like you can't chase all day like in the Vuelta. This is like the Vuelta when they're caught when the break, won three stages. Matthews, they just chased and it, was, it didn't really work out for them. But I think MVDP wins this from the break. 5K, 5% finish. There's an intermediate sprint after a climb, 185Ks. I think he wins from the break.
1: I think on this stage we'll have a breakaway that includes the likes of Vanderpool, like you say, Matthews, perhaps with riders like Juliensen and so forth to be an engine in that breakaway. If Juliensen is in this race, I think he is. And then Wout Aert, I think, should also be in that breakaway to get an intermediate sprint. Will he stay in the breakaway afterwards? I think with this stage he he should. Will the other teams like a Pogachar squad panic again? Hmm.
0: Nah, they That's shouldn't. That's
1: difficult to, I don't... They shouldn't. Like, after last year, Come they on. should have learned their lesson. But I think Stefan Kung will be in this break. I believe that a finish in Switzerland, in Lausanne, Stefan Kung will benefit from the fact that Van der Poel, Van Aert, and Matthews will be looking at each other, trying to close each other down. Matthews will not be the greatest person to be with in that chasing group as well. Kung will ride away before that final hill and will uh, we'll slice them open and will take a victory in the Tour de France stage.
0: Bagioli and Honoré, this is why they were brought. They need to be in the breakaway as well on this stage, and they'll be contenders. Uh, Did I go for MVDP? Yeah, I did, I think. I picked them for so many stages. Stage nine, and so that's break. And then stage nine, I think this is break as well, Benji. Like 193Ks, there's sort of soft climbs before the first one. They're like 13K, 4%, 8K, 7 percent descent, 20K valley. And then a 12K 7% climb, which is harder than it looks. But then it's the descent of Mojane. Mojane, sorry. Descent and then a little uphill 4K 4% finish. So, like, you're going to have to invest a lot. To, I think this is break and I'm going with dibopino,
1: Okay, I'm going to go for Ruben Guerrero on this one. Yes, Ooh, I that's think- nice. I do fear that he's gonna go for GC. Like this is also Lutsenko stage, but he's gonna go for oh, GC. So. Yeah, no,
0: this is no, no, no! I think this is Lutsenko. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you believe in Lutsenko when it comes to G non GC?
0: I don't really believe much in a Astana team at the moment, but I mate, think, these, mate, I think these are the right names.
1: Him to France. He was gonna <laughs> put him in the Tour de France. He said,
0: Remember? "Yeah, he could. He still could. He still could." Um, it just what? needs everyone to crash out on stage on stage 5 <laughs> uh, and Cobbler, Yanni Moscon to help him I think these are all the right names Chikone, Camner, Guerrero Betiol, depending on his condition Bardet, oh. please lose time Thibaut Pino Mike Woods um, oh. these are all the right names we forgot
1: for the Los on stage Victor Lafay oh come on Benji it's, like, it's a serious race <laughs> <laughs> wow!
0: <laughs> <laughs> nah, you no, know, he's a decent rider, but if he's I feel five k five percent against MVDP and Matthews and and wow, it's a little bit different. Maybe they won't be in the break, but yeah, I'm going again with Camner, and I'm hoping to uh, be correct on one of them.
1: Do you think?
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm going with Camner again.
1: We talking McGaff stage? No, I'm talking
0: the stage nine. Oh,
1: Guerrero's still there. Still with Guerrero? <laughs> okay.
0: That's the yep, first yep. rest day. Apart from the cobbled stages, the mountains should not create big gaps before the rest day, and neither should the second or the first stage after that rest day. Stage 10 to McGev. This is the Lutsenko special from the break. 150Ks, soft climb, 20Ks, 4% after a relatively sort of rolly stage. I see... I see no point in any GC team pacing, and I see break again. And I'm going with – I want to go well out from the break. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I don't think he'll be let into it. Uh, Kuhn could win the... from the break, who – I can't pick Kaminer again. That's illegal. Um, Andreas can't... Kron oh uh, no i don't see it i don't see it for the
1: swiss last year got slapped by costa in the in the sprint but costa got the acute after a pretty hard True. mountain stage but True. low gradients got close in gc in this tour de swiss for the first part of it i believe in andreas kron for this stage
0: i'm going with carlos verona please let him in the break uh carlos verona can be He's perfect He's changed, for this. Mate. He's not. Come on. Free him. Look at his Aldino. He didn't. No, like, no, 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 he no. set the quickest time on Aldino this year so Locked far. Up. Come on. Please <laughs> let him in the break. He'll win this. He's 4 or 5%. He's magic. Otherwise, like look at Tratnik, turns, Morich types. They'll be in the break. They'll be nasty. That's all been a lot of rake stuff, a lot of cobbling stuff. Now we get to the big boys. Stage 11, 152 Ks discussed in stage. We have uh, the telegraph Galibier combo, 12k 7%, five-minute descent, 17.5k 7% to 2,630 meters, the souvenir Henry de Grange. The problem is from the top of Galibier to the banks of Grenon is a 33-kilometer descent slash falls flat, and then there's Granol, 11.5Ks, 9.1%, 9.1% average to 2,400 meters. I think Jonas Vingegaard wins this stage. But the problem is, Benji, that damn valley. Like, what can you do? You, no one can attack on Galibier without a satellite rider. It's suicide.
1: Exactly, that's true. And there's also not the benefit that the intermediate sprint is, for example, at the top of a hill or something. So... I feel like if Wout, for example, tries to go in the breakaway for the intermediate sprint, then he's in that breakaway, takes that intermediate sprint, then he... Will they just let him go, the other teams? Because he could play a role as a satellite rider, for example. Will they care?
0: If you were UA, would you burn... I mean, what else else are Bjerg and Stecker-Langen going to do after Telegraph anyway? You may as well chase.
1: That's true, but are you going to inflict some low-key damage on George Bennett by pacing hard in the peloton. Will will that hurt him?
0: I mean, I think they'd have to catch him before Lassette and de Montvernier at 3.5k is 8% at 50k. Is like, there's going to be a big fight, I think, in that flat highway. So it's tricky. I think Ineos need to try and get Dylan Van Baal in the breakaway. He's beautiful at high altitude as well. Uh, as we saw on the Galibier in 2018, maybe they need him in the valley and I expect Ineos to do the same. I think Ineos and Yambo need to send Galibier, Martinez to high altitude. Just you, you have to give him a chance. Like this is why you bring in this way trying to how you can try and win the race one of the avenues. It might not work. 80% chance it doesn't work. Uh, and Pagacha's fine. But Van Baal on the break and send it for Martinez if they can and see if he can attack with Jonas and put Pagacha under pressure. Um, that's what I would do if I was them. But I, I'm going with Jonas to win the stage.
1: Perhaps it's a bit of a hopium from my end that I want to see a battle for GC here, but I'm going to go for Roglic. I think um, when I see opportunities for Jumbo here, I see it in trying to want to attack Pogaccio on stages, and I feel like Roglic will always be the last one to do that. Does that make sense? I feel like despite Vingegaard being strong in the Dauphiné...
0: He always moves first.
1: Yeah, exactly and that's why perhaps the first move might not happen and then perhaps droglic will have that final kick towards the end and be able to make something happen i'll go for primos on this one
0: it's going to be these are the two stages to watch hopefully it kicks off the depressing thing will be if a move like that happens and carlos verona paces back Martinez and Vingegaard or Roglic with Pogacar in the wheel. I will go fucking crazy. (laughs) That would be the most impressive. It's it. it, We laugh, but these things do happen in the Tour de France. Um, So even if... And he might even be right, but, yeah, please. <laughs> um, the next day, Stage 12, another brutal day, 165Ks. It's a repeat of the 2008 stage where Sastra destroyed Curl uh, and Evans and Schleck let him go on Alpe d'Huez. It's virtually an identical stage where CS- CSC ripped it up. Galibier, other side, 23Ks, 5% out the gate. This is big OTL risk for the pure sprinters. With disc at a neutral, although the intermediate sprint is before the climb starts. Descent, step descent, then cold la croix de la de fer, 29Ks, 5.2%, but it's you know it's actually Fake in stages. News. It's in stages, like the last 6Ks at 8.3% to 2000 meters. Step descent again, I think in the break, one guy got dropped. Like uh, Martinez could struggle on these descents. That goes for yesterday, that goes for stage 12. If Martinez will struggle on the descent. then if another valley of 15 Ks then Alpe d'Huez 14 Ks 8% it's hard it needs no introduction uh, I'm going with Primoz on this day
1: I'm gonna switch it around I'm gonna go for Jonas on this day why am I not picking Pogacha for these stages it's because I want the battle in this Tour de France I want to have it a close battle and I see like these two stages as the opportunity for Jumbo to damage a Pogacar is that the same feeling that you have because like the weaknesses we saw of Bogatra in the past, Vontu, rather large climbing performance, a long climbing performance. We've seen him weaker in the hot conditions and so forth. I feel like that's more likely to happen on these two stages than in the Pyrenees. Makes sense? The Tour de France was won
0: last year with 20-minute to 25-minute efforts. Similar in 2020. Apart from Col de la Lowe's, apart from Vontu. On Lowe's, he was dropped by Roglic and Coosbury. And... Then obviously was the domestique on vontu He was dropped by Jonas, who put 40 seconds into him in four minutes. In four minutes, so he attacked for two minutes, and in four minutes he put 40 seconds into Pagacha on the end of Vontour. So yes, it's also a bit of hope that we're going to have a big battle. But these climbs, this is different. These are 40 minutes, Alpe d'Huez and Grenoble, maybe longer. Uh, obviously, Galibier, we're talking an hour uh, or longer from the base of Telegraph. So. These are long, long climbs, and I do think that suits Roglic and Jonas a little bit more. When we get to the Pyrenees, that is when I'm going to be picking Pog back-to-back, back, spoiler alert. Um, but these ones, I think this is where Jumbo-Visma, yeah, will be trying to apply pressure. Do you think – I'm not convinced Micah can help that much, Benji. Like Micah was – Kwiatkowski dropped him on Vontu last year. Uh, not pacing that hard before Jonas attack. Kwiatkowski dropped him. I, I'm not... Mike is he's his best mountain domestique, but yeah, they, they're going to have to be on. I'm not sure how much... Like If Jonas attacks and your POG, do you trust... Like, say it's a group six or seven, do you trust Mike to pace back Jonas on Grenon or, or uh, Alpe
1: d'Huez or do you have to close it yourself? I think he's going to have to end up closing it himself, but Micah can keep the gap relatively stable for a tiny bit before Pogacar makes that move so it extends the time before Pogacar has to make his final move does that make sense
0: yeah it's like classic Ineos Skytrain you you yeah. use the domestics for as long as you have sitting in the draft and by the way draft still matters at eight and nine percent I know people don't believe it but it still actually matters and when we're talking one or two percent one and two percent really matters so Yes, maybe he can do that. Um, Solaire, I just don't see as useful in these stages. McNulty's hit and miss. So it's, yeah, it's it's an opportunity for Ineos and Yumbo, I think, to try on those stages. Particularly, you know, Thomas is good on the longer climbs too. Thomas on the 5% 30Ks loves it to altitude. I think he's, he's fine. I think they're going to have to repeat stage 19, the teen stage last year where Thomas attacked and then Bernal counted. This year, Martinez is, is Bernal. I think that's how Ineos should play it. Uh, stage 13 though, this will be a break from the action. I think this looks like a nailed-on breakaway stage,
1: 193Ks. I'm going with Magnus Court. Damn it. That was exactly the person no I was shot. going with as well. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go for someone else then. And the rider I'm going for is Fuck. Why did you have to pick the rider I was going with? Like, there's so many riders on the start list, and you select every single time the rider I'm going with. That's it's the reason that you genius, always mate. go for... <laughs> well, does that make me a genius as well? Because uh, I have the same riders in my mean head. I didn't to compliment uh. you. <laughs> I'm going to go for Taco.
0: Taco? I mean, I, I like Daryl Impey too. Crone's uh, pretty fast. Uh it is the perfect court stage. I'm looking through. Again, Vanderpool, Wout van Aert, like this 50-point stage. Van if he wants green, has to try getting the break. I'm just not. Yep. I think green's going to hurt him for this stage. Like, I think he's going to have to ride for the points and he gets yep. attacked and he'll come fourth in a stage like this. Lovely big points bundle, but he won't end up actually winning the stage. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to keep it with Magnus Court. Breakaway stage. Stage 14 to Mendy, 192 Ks. I think this is a break too, Benji. Like, because here's the difficulty. 3K, 10 point, 10.5% finish with a short descent afterwards. Roglic, I think, is better than Pog on this by about 1%. Is it worth pacing all day for Roglic to maybe take 5-7 seconds and for Jonas to maybe be dropped? Because Pog, I think, is better than him on this. I don't think it is. I think they play defensive. I think for Pog, why would you pace either? Same with Ineos too. Vlasov is perfect for. Uh, I love Vlasov on this as he's great
1: on these 10 minutes deep efforts, but I think it's break. I think it's breakaway as well. I think the likes of a, I'm kind of thinking about a Quinn Simmons for a stage like this.
0: Can Wellens Uh, win a real race? A
1: real real (laughs) race. It's not February anymore. So (laughs) difficult. Um, Nah, I don't see it for this one. I think Quinn Simmons is my, my pick for this one. I think Simmons has shown that he's really punchy, has shown that he's good at taking KOM points, but he's gonna take something decent here. And we've been overrating him in World Tour races. I feel like when he comes to stage wins, quite a few times because I swear we picked him for like half the Vuelta stage last year as well. Am I overrating him for this stage?
0: I th- I think so. Like I think if someone like LaFay gets in there or. Um, turns or Guerrero or Bargi. I'm going with Wawa. I'm going with Warren Bargi to win this stage. Uh, that's why he's been brought to the race. I think again we'll see Moritz, Sanchez, Turns in the break. I think Bahrain have to. Lafay should try. Uh, I wish Godu was not going for GC because I think he would clean them all on this uh, finish. Quentin Hermans isn't here for Intermarche, so I don't know what they're doing. 3k, 10 percent. Like A jolly? I don't know. Like that's a they should try. It's a puncher I'm go, Wawa, Wawa came ninth in in flesh and Viermos came tenth. I think it's gonna be a battle between the French pro contis so I'm going with Wawa.
1: Okay. Okay. Uh you're allowed to do so. Thank I you. will accept that uh that from you stage sixteen then. This Wait, is who also did you a nailed on. Uh actually I've got no clue who I picked. Uh who did I pick again? I picked someone. No worries. I picked someone. I think I picked Simmons or something. Simmons, you picked Simmons. So when it comes to um, stage 15, then the whole day to Carcassonne also looks like a nailed-on breakaway stage. It's like half of the stage in the second week, to be honest, Um, even though that's the third week already because we're at day 15. Uh, Basically, it looks undulating for the entirety of the first 66% of this stage. Then we start the Cote de Camas, which is 5.5k, 3.9%. Not a steep climb, to be honest. Is it... Too shallow where it could actually be a low key sprint opportunity, or don't you think Trek the ups should pace and downs this stage? too much for Pedersen? I see an opportunity. Like the climbs, the last ones at two and a half k are at four
0: percent, twenty five k from the finish. Absolutely no problem for him.
1: I think you got to go for Pedersen here. Like I think there's a situation where Steven's in the breakaway, and that's why they won't be no sure. Base for <laughs> <laughs> they've done it before. in the people I even think Philipson can get around this.
0: Like I think so too. These are shallow, and there's yeah. no, and the sprinters have had nothing, Benji, for ten stages. Nothing. Like I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Wout Van Aert. And I think okay. it's going to be a, redu- uh, a sprint between him, Pedersen, and
1: Philipsen. I'm going to go with... I'm going to follow you on that. I'm going to go for Jasper Philipsen on this one. Yeah, I just I believe think... believe that he can survive. If there were two pure sprint stages
0: before, remember the second week last year, it was like cav, 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 cav. Even I got a bit sick of it. Then I would say break. But it isn't. This is like the only opportunity for a sprinter in the second week. Uh, and that's the last day before the second rest day. Stage 16 from Carcassonne to Foix. Foix is, this is as close as it gets to me, Benji, two hours drive in Foix at the base of the Pyrenees. They don't come to Andorra this year. For shame. Uh, this looks like the Mark Hirschy 2020 stage. Like Mark would have won this easily, but Mark isn't here. And Mark 2020 probably doesn't exist anymore. So 178Ks, 115 k, 7% descent, Nine and a half K, 7.6%, Bora are winning this stage with one of Conrad, Schachmann, Groschartner, or Camner. Hmm.
1: I think that's a, a very big opportunity there indeed. I think Conrad was indeed on a, a similar stage yeah. like this. I think that ah, oh, I I don't like the how this stage looks. <laughs> what it's, do you mean? It's it looks so boring. It's
0: not GC, <laughs> like no way this is G C, right?
1: No way. Like I think the the Risk-to-reward ratio on uh, a stage yeah. like this is not there, because if you attack on Mute-Piguerre, you've got the descent you need to go in fast, you've got to bring that to the finish line. It's a proper 28 kilometers from the top of that final Muda piguerre to that finish line. Yes, Piguet is steep, but I'm going to go with... I think Pinot's going to attack away on Mute-Piguerre and win this stage.
0: I mean, but there's a descent, Benji. <laughs> like that's yep. the problem.
1: I mean, this isn't that much less difficult
0: than the stage, the run stage, 154 k's that Pagaccia won, where he, Bernal, Lander, Roglic went solo and caught he or she. There they had the Col de Marie Blanc, which is harder than the uh, the last climb. He, well, it's not that much harder. It was shorter. Like we could. The pr- difference there was they had those GC bonus seconds at the top that they sprinted for, and so bring them back. And there's even 3K's 115 percent in this. Like we could see GC. It's whether Yumbo want to go for it, I think. because um, if you don't have teammates for that descent, it's going to be very, very difficult to keep it up. But yeah, I'm going with I'm going with Conrad for this this stage. Did you go for Conrad as well?
1: I did not go for Conrad. I did go for Pinot on it.
0: Oh, you went for Thibaut Pinot. I think he will perish yeah. on the descent. Sorry. Um <laughs> stage 17. Perish. Well, hopefully it doesn't actually perish, but, yeah, I think it will get caught. Cool in this <laughs> then. Here we enter the zone de Pegacha, 130.5Ks. It is back-to-back 7% 20-minute climbs all day. Col Bat, 12K, 6.5 descent. Then uh, I can't pronounce it, 8.5K, 5% descent, short valley, then another one I can't pronounce as a, 8.5k, 7.7%, descent, short valley, then Perigood, 8.17%. I think. Ah, this is gotta be this is his zone, Benji, but is it too soft? I do you expect to see big gaps on 20 minutes, 7%? I uh,
1: I think that it might indeed be relatively soft, honestly. The thing with this stage is that it also depends what the situation in GCR is going into this because Let's say the situation is how we say it is so far, then Rogaccio is likely not in yellow. If YoAE is not controlling this stage, what is, is Jumbo going to control the stage if Roglic is in yellow or guard is in yellow?
0: I think if, if Jumbo are in yellow, then they can be chill. They just make sure that no one that's a GC threat gets in the break. And then they say, hey, UAE, you want to win the race? try and do something and you got to invest a lot on these climbs as i said drafting yeah. matters a lot on them i still think pog wins the stage from a sprint
1: okay i think the stage might indeed fit Pogatra the most and i'm also going to go for Pogatra on this one as the shorter climbs and so forth but i think the differences might not be as big as uh people might anticipate on a stage like this with multiple mountains per it se. could be 10 because deep. like you say
0: or Millet. Deep? Like, it could nah. be Orsien Millette type.
1: You don't reckon? Oh, Perigou's nah, steep nah, at nah, the nah, end.
0: Nah. Okay, I apologize. I apologize. I think
1: there's like a, a very steep, s- small part at the end of Peragud, like you mentioned. A bit of like, a, was it... What, did Bardet win on Peragoud? I can't remember. I, I- swear Bardet sprinted up the steep sections of Peragud at some point and uh, won a stage there. Anyway...
0: Is it too late that- for someone to sa- sign Dan Martin? Dan Martin would win this from the break like he came fifth on Arden last year sign him sorry Benji stage
1: 18 he might not be in the shape anymore I have no clue if, nah, he, if he kept it up or not okay still good fine um yeah I'm gonna go with Pogacha as well okay. I think this stage fits him but I don't think he will necessarily gain nah. much time on anyone I on this stage so. and Therefore, well, is the steep section at the finish line not benefiting Roglic? It,
0: yeah, I know that's the thing. That's the thing. Like, I just no, can't am going Roglic. I, yeah, I think if if it's soft and it does suit Roglic, but I think he might lead him out. And Pagace has been tactically better in sprints. Uh, stage 18, 144Ks, the last mountain test. They do the Coldor Bisque, 17Ks, 7%, again, a long climb. Descent Spandel, 10Ks, 8.3. That is hard, 30-minute climb. Descent Outer Cam, 13.5, 8%, 35-minute-plus climb. I'm going with Primoz Roglic winning this stage and a Froome, maybe a Froome Wiggins moment. I th- like, <laughs> this is the tricky one, yeah. Um, like if you, let's let's run this scenario here, Benji. I know it's a long pod, but I I, I want to I'm enjoying talking through different scenarios and hopefully they eventuate. Jonas has taken yellow in the Alps. He's defended it. Pagaccia's won the stage yesterday, taking ten back, and or even Primoz is in yellow, but it's thirty seconds ahead of Pagaccia Do you feel comfortable with Jonas or Roglic nursing a thirty second lead? Say both of them are ahead of him going into the final TT or do you go you send out to come again
1: personally I would never feel comfortable but I'd feel more comfortable than being behind but I don't think Yumbo will feel comfortable I think they're completely traumatized still when it comes to the 2020 Tour de France and all won five fucking minutes on Pogaccio when it comes to the time trial I agree in. I agree with that philosophy <laughs> <laughs> right
0: you don't know what he can do with that final TT <laughs>
1: Ooh. But um, I don't know when it comes to Otakam. I think uh, I'm going for Tadej Pogacar for this stage. I um, I feel like this is a climb where the differences can be made, Otakam. We saw it last Definitely. with Vincenzo Nibli in 2014, where he absolutely obliterated everybody because he had no competition. He He's wasn't gifted anything.
0: He's <laughs> <laughs> against uncle. a French insurance salesman.
1: John Gadret LaRouge. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Nah, but you got okay, to be there to yeah. win it. And uh, like, hopefully, like, God forbid history repeats itself and we have, you know, the big GC guys crashing out. Uh, but yeah, I'm going with Roglic. I think they're not going to be, I think they're going to want a 1 2 Pagacha, even if, you know, they have a slender lead. I think that's probably right. Like, do not, don't finish stage 20 thinking, what else could we have done? And I think you try and you go again here yep. with the 1 2.
1: Um, and it suits Roglic, like 40 minutes. But, we're talking through scenarios where Vingergaard and Roglic are both in GC yeah. at this point. And the question is, do I trust Jonas on the cobble stage, for example? And I think I trust him a lot less than oh, way less, I do Primoz. Yeah. So Jonas might actually might, might be on time in that first week. Let's say he's on two mi- minutes. Doesn't matter. Of... Does not matter? No. Okay,
0: Sastra was on like well, Sastra was on time. Wasn't he? Oh, no, that's not true. Maybe he's just ahead. I think if Jonas is on two minutes, three minutes, it still doesn't matter. Like, if he's if Roglic is level with Pogacar on Altacam, Jonas attacks, Micah can't do anything, Pegacha still has to pace. It's still It's And Roglic sits in the wheel. It still is an advantage to Roglic, even if he's on three minutes. Now, he doesn't have to pace as hard. He only has to pace at his threshold. It's still a minor advantage. That's why I'm going for Roglic ah. for the stage.
1: I don't know, because that might end up chaining Roglic to a point. What if, for example, Jonas does attack on attack and is 30 seconds ahead, for example, and gains 35 seconds, 40 seconds on a group where Pogacar is pacing with Roglic in the wheel? That might become a scenario where Jonas takes back a minute and a half, gets closer to Pogacar in GC, but Primoz can't gain anything because he's basically forced to sit on. Oh, no, he should he re-attack. His head. He should also re-attack yeah, when yeah. the gap is significant enough Once to, to, to make sure seconds. it happens. Oh, okay, okay. That yeah. makes sense. Because otherwise, you're chaining yourself and making sure that Roglic is also stuck, you know?
0: If if anyone wants to go and look, it's 144p, not even 250p. You can barely make them out. The after stage 2008. <laughs> Schleck, after Sastra gets to 30, 40 seconds, Schleck reattacks. And it also disrupts the momentum of the group. I think if Roglic is feeling good, he should re-attack him, maybe even bridge across to Jonas. It depends on all the gaps. And I mean, hopefully this all pans out. Hopefully it's Ineos and Martinez, and they can play the same sort of thing with Yates, Thomas, and Martinez can be aggressive. I hope so, um, because Pogaccia, we think, might be a little bit isolated. But I went with Roglic. Benji went with Pog for the record, I think. Stage 19, this is the by law, breakaway stage, although we've had barely any sprint stages. I don't even know. Like It's like an even Garcia-Cortina special, isn't it?
1: Um. <laughs> no, no, no. Movistar is
0: going to pull themselves outside of the oh, breakaway. Yeah, that was, this was a break. Last year, they got four guys in a breakaway and it had three minutes and the director's like, it will be caught. And they called it back. It was the most insane thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I tried to find footage of it, but it wasn't in my highlights pack. But damn, it was oh. bad. Um Wow, it's got to get... It's a 50-pointer. Wow, it's got to be in the mix in the break too. But I think he'll be attacked. Um, I'm going with a real, real weird one. I'm going with Hugo Hofstetter.
1: If we go weird people, then I might as well say Kamil Gradek on oh, the main. Oh, no, torches. that's a... <laughs> mate,
0: he's Max Watts. He's, he can sit at 350 all day, but no more. Uh, <laughs> Kamil Gradek. Oh, he's made in the tour squad. Unbelievable. Um... Is that your actual pick? Peter Sagan's going to go in the breakaway after a
1: dry Tour de France and oh win please
0: it. Please God, that's the only way to save this video. Uh, otherwise, look <laughs> out for Benjamin Thomas or Max Volscheid. It's that sort of day. Uh, yeah, maybe one to you know have a little rest. Stage twenty, final TT, forty point five k's long. Healy, it's between for me, like. <laughs> I know we, we already mentioned that the scars of Flange de Belfi TT, but you look at the Olympics TT, Roglic obscene, like just ridiculous. This is also over 40 minutes, 45 minutes plus. Just hilly. Really, he, he really should be taking time on Pogacar on this TT. The question is, this isn't a one-day race. This is at the back end of three weeks, and Pogacar didn't try in the final TT last year. I think Wout will win the stage. Um, but, yeah, where do you see the GC guys ranking?
1: Will Roglic knew it? Try a new laser helmet during this stage is also a thing that it's uncursed influence. Now. It's uncursed now? Okay. Since when?
0: Since he wore it in one of the TTs in 2021 and won the stage. Uncursed. Oh, okay,
1: it. okay. Okay. It's uncursed. Perfect. But when it comes to this parkour, there's a difference with Planche de Belfi, you know, because Roglic was not capitulating on the flat pod before Planche yet. It was on the climb itself that he was capitulating the damage, right?
0: Uh, he lost like 40, 30, 40 on the flat, I think, and it wasn't that flat. Like, I agree with you, though. I agree that, like, the, the cracking was exacerbated by a 20 minute proper climb for which we don't have. Here we have 1,500 meter 5% climbs, 1,800 meter 6% climbs. I agree, but Pagatron rolling terrain in the tour is also elite. Um, I, st- I still think it should be... Ro- I think Thomas will actually be the best of the GC guys on this TT.
1: If he's still on his bike by then. But when it comes to um, Pogacar versus Roglic, the parkour shots Roglic to me. But it being in the final week of a Grand Tour, I feel like Pogacar's recovery in the Grand Tours is insane. And I think that Pogacar is going to win this in the GC fight with Wout Fanat taking the stage. Do you think that it's hard for stefan kung to fight for because his climbing on point these days
0: uh, it's just he's always near nearly there i think he'll be third. second eh? yeah second or third <laughs> i don't yeah i think wow should win the win the stage uh lucky one he won the stage 21 last year from memory the final stage Stage 21, 50-pointer. Sean Sellece procession finishes about 8 p.m. It's also, by the way, the women's the Tour de France Fem. of Zwift kicks off before this stage, so make sure you watch that. Watch the Fem before the men's stage 21. Bunch sprint is
1: Jakobsen and Ewan. Are they still here? We haven't mentioned Caleb Ewan once. Are they still here? Absolutely no clue whether they're still here at this point. Um, I think Caleb Ewan's climbing at Giro was appalling at certain points, so I think he's OTL by this point. Is the Tour de France OTL difficult to manage? Yeah, it's harder than the Vuelta. Yeah, it's it's tougher. And the Giro. I than think. Giro? You mean? Yeah. Okay. 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 Hmm. I think um, Ewan's out. Jakobsen might survive, but only because of Tim Decleric.
0: True. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Mads Pedersen. He came second to Bennett in 2020. Sean Solisay sprint, if my memory serves me correctly, I'm going with Pedersen yep. on this, but he not, it's not enough to win uh, the green jersey. So we'll have someone wrap up all those predictions into a spreadsheet so that we're right. all correctly.
1: I haven't named. Oh, yet. you didn't name yours, sorry. Laudfinaud wins in the green jersey. Back-to-back Sean Solisay stage wins, huh? Okay. Yeah, okay. in the green jersey this time around.
0: Right. Not the yellow jersey. Sports is confused by K1 jersey. Okay, well now let's get into that. That's all the stages. Ad nauseum. Let's talk about who will win the green jersey. We've discussed a lot. I think we've already I think Wout Wout walks the green jersey, Benji.
1: I think so as well. Wout walks the green jersey. I think even with the yellow jersey battle being a thing, I think Wout Fanart should be able to take it. And next to that, the yellow jersey battle with jumbo is more likely to fuck up than the green jersey battle. So if the yellow jersey battle fucks up, then he can focus completely on the green jersey battle and he's got that Well, yeah, clean then.
0: If you don't get in the break one day, you have a terrible day, you just miss out on that day's points. You, you have a bad GC day, you're done. Yeah. So as you said, it's it's easier to manage. In terms of KOM, I'm going with, I don't think Bouchard's going for it. Pargui, I'm not sure if he's going for it. Maxim Bouet. Three names I've got. I'm going with Bardet, Pino
1: Bardet, and Guerrero. Okay. You can go with Pino. I'll go with Romain Bardet.
0: Okay. That'll be, I, I really hope those two. That would be a great battle. I think there'll be a lot of audience interest in it. Two well-known French climbers. I really, really hope they go for KOM. Yeah. I haven't looked at the allocation too closely. I hope... Wait. Are they doing
1: double points? I think they're not doing double points. I I at least heard many people say that they're not doing double points on the final mountain, which would mean that it is more likely to go to breakaway riders that actually go for KOM points. I hope that that's the case personally because I don't want Pogacar to clean up every single jersey in this race.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I think the worst thing last year was Pools and Co missing out on it. They fought so hard and they didn't get, yeah, they didn't get the KOM because the double points. Um, Okay, that's KOM. Young rider Benji. I'm not sure if Jonas is eligible for it. Um, no, he's not. I don't think so. Okay,
1: and if, if he is, then it's my fault that we are not choosing him.
0: All right, I'll go with Tane Pagacha. I think it'd be pretty <laughs> a controversial pick.
1: That's a controversial pick. Hmm, I think I'm also going to have to go for Tane Pagacha. Like, if he stays on his bike, he's getting the white jersey. It's simple as that. Oh, no, um, yeah. Well, I, I I, think if so.
0: if yeah, if Jonas is not eligible, then yeah, Pagatcha walks it. Yeah. Okay. They, they, they were the pretty simple ones from my perspective. Now GC uh, podium. I'm, we're doing the full podium.
1: We're doing the full podium, mate. Three, two, and then one.
0: Okay. Okay, I'm going with three, Jonas, two, Pog, one, Roglic.
1: Okay. Um, Roglic is uh, going to win. Same pick as last year. Then, right?
0: No. What's the What's the quote from that Scottish um, Twitch streamer? Don't back. Never down. change a losing team. Never back down. <laughs> Double down. Fuck you. Yeah, that's what's happening. Roglic wins <laughs> L- the Latour. He's going to clean it. Like, look, listen. You want my real take? You, you're two hours in. Okay. You're the only the hardcore fans are listening at this point. 2020, Roglic would have cleaned it, mate. If Pogaccia was who they thought he was now, Roglic would have won easily. They would have put out on the front stage seven, goodbye, night, night. Paris would, he gifted it. He thought he was his friend. He betrayed him. Stage 20, uh, 2021, Kovreli, okay, is an agent of disaster and he <laughs> crashed out Roglic. Roglic would have cleaned him up, except he wouldn't have because stage eight, it rained because of anti-global warming and so Pog still would have taken time on him. So that's a problem. But this year, we're going to have sunny weather Okay, they got the stacked ruler team. He's not going to somehow crash in week one with all those tricky stages. And then we're going to get to the 40-minute climbs, and it's going to be curtains, steep finishes, Mendy. Nah, Rog is cleaning it. They've got the best team. Jonas is going to set him up well and counterattack and put Pog under pressure. I don't like the UA team. Pog is overrated, and um, Roglic wins <laughs> the tour. Thank you for coming.
1: Okay, I think that Pogacar is going to win the Tour de France. Um I think he's gonna do so ahead of two Yambo riders. And I don't give a fuck what the order is of those you know, two Yambo riders, but I think it's more likely to see Jonas being in second and the Roglatch rog, rog, Roglatch, that's a new rider. Rog, Roglatch rider. and Rob Hatch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Roglatch.
0: <laughs> Fluent in six languages, crash heavy, <laughs> decent on punchy finishes. Roglatch
1: <laughs> No 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 So you're going Rogue yeah.
0: one. Rog, rog,
1: Roglic, Jonas,
0: second. Jonas two, Roglic three. Roglic third. am I'm, yes. I'm changing my order. I don't. Need, I, oh. I'm going yeah. Roglic one, Jonas two, because he's better than Pog <laughs> as well. Pog three. I'm not sure if Pog will podium. Nah, that's uh, okay. Get now, now, I'm just, now, I'm, yeah, now I'm just taking get the Get
1: the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, <laughs> 2020, <laughs> I put Pogacar on the top step. Pogacar ends up winning. 2021, I put Pogacar on the top step. Pogacar ends up winning. Well, to be honest, in 2021, it was. Less likely to fail than in 2020. In 2020, it was a relatively hot take after its failure at the Dauphiné earlier that season. When it comes to this season, I think um, when I saw this parkour the first time around, I shouted Pogacar. I'm still saying Pogacar, and it's because I I trust him to stay on his bike way more than the rest. So I've got that advantage from the start.
0: I think this is the worst possible parkour for Pogacar. Worst possible. High altitude, long climbs, cobbled stage where the team is not good and I mean as an organization UAE are not good on cobbles not good on these tricky stages and yeah I'm going with Robert Chionis Pagaccia and I think Thomas Martinez will fight O'Connor Vlasov and co and mass for that fourth to sixth sort of range one
1: thing we have not discussed is the factor of the reactions that UE has had in races where chaos has ensued in the past. For example, in the Giro, the day that uh, Bora was lighting it up, they had Zvihov in the breakaway, they pulled Zvihov back, Kovi was in the breakaway for UE, Almeida was dropping off the back in the peloton, and UE did not respond by pulling back Kovi yet. They waited a while, like they did not respond instantly. Same with that Basque Country stage in 2020. Also, chaos ensues with Astana going hard on the Gorla climb, which was, I think, the second or third climb in the race. They dive into that descent. UAE was literally pacing at the front of the group when that happened with Ulysses and I think it was Micah and they just looked around and did not respond. And at the same time, Hirschi was in the breakaway and UAE did not call Hirschi back in time. Like, I think the weakest part when it comes to UAE is not the team. I think it's the team car.
0: Yeah, that plays into it. But also, like, it's on the riders too. Like, do you think Soler is like gonna make good decisions on the road? You know, like that's something that factors into. I think Mike is pretty savvy. Um but I agree with what you said. Like, I don't think it's but then a lot of the team cars have had issues. Like Ineos have maybe not been as good the last two years in the car. Um Yumbo have had you know, everyone has their issues, but I agree UAE's been like they've been Movistar, like peak Movistar level bad in some stages this year, like Catalonia. Whew, that was a nightmare. So that factors into my pick as well. Like I just, yeah, I just think there'll be trouble with the team. Uh, and team matters unless you have a five-minute lead and maybe Paul gets a five-minute lead after <laughs> Granon, and I look like an idiot. But, you know, if without diversity of opinion, this podcast would be pretty uh, pretty boring. But, yeah, I think Jumbo banished the demons and, and they get it done with Rogla because – Okay. And they win green. So I think they're gonna have a good tour. And I think. Listen. I mean Pog, you're right. Like he's so consistent. I just think. I just, I also just think 170 is way too short. Like you must agree as well, his odds are too short.
1: Yeah, his odds are too short. It's uh a race that is, in my opinion, more open than the batting odds are yeah. telling us. But I will say that I still trust Pogacar as a GC rider more. He has his consistency over three weeks. And when it comes to not crashing, than I do, for example, Jonas and Primoz because they crash in literally every Grand Tour that they ride these days. So that's why I trust Pogacar more on this. And yes, he's got the weaker team for the first chaotic week, but he has a way of solving things solo as well that Primoz and Jonas have not shown. This is a guy that, if he's behind, he is going to attack two climbs out to make it happen. And he might actually pull that off. So Yeah, but that's he's not why attacking I feel like
0: Omar Frail and Lushenko now. We've got real That's pomp. true.
1: But if he lights it up early, then he's gonna end up dropping a Kreisweg and Sir yeah. and the support of Yambo. It's gonna be against Jonas and and then, and If it's a a 1v2 battle in that situation, then you could say it's a benefit from Yumbo who can try and 1-2 him again. But if Bogachar then uses offense as his defense, because if you're in a situation with two other riders, two competitors in a group, the best way you can make sure you get out of this is by attacking yourself to make sure one of them drops, right?
0: Yeah, like for example, say Solézant. O'Connor dropped, yep. but Pagaccia is able to follow those two. Jonas is pacing as part of that attack. Pagacha notices that Primoz is not countering, little sitting in the draft a lot. In that situation, what you're describing, he attacks. Roglic maybe can't follow immediately. Then Jumbo have a difficult. Then we have the Hindley-Kelderman-Gagin Hart-Giro situation. Do you have Jonas pace for Roglic? Does the owner sit on Pagacha Like if one of them is weak. Because you can't expect that Jumbo's two GC leaders will be 100% every day. Like one of them might be better one day. One might be not as good the other day. Um, but, yeah, all I pray for most of all is that we have an exciting race. Last year's, after the first rest day, was awful. Obviously, like incredibly boring stuff. And I just pray for a, a great, a great race, an interesting race and that they're fighting all the way to the final TT and on Altacam. I don't care really who it is, as long as it's a tight GC battle and they're actually fighting. That's all I pray for Um, because there'll be a lot of break stages as well. But we better wrap up shortly, Benji, because Mrs. Rouge just texted me saying Tim de Klerk's out for Quick Step. Corona's already hit, so Seneschal will be in. I would assume he's first reserve for... Quick step. Um, Sports just posted that I think on Twitter. So this recording's been so long. Already there's been corona news. I'm sure there'll be other stuff like that that will outdate this preview very quickly. We made sure we did it late, but that's a big blow for Quick Step. That affects, of course, long we other stages for controlling and even that stage nineteen, De Klerk's good. Huge shame for De Klerk. He's had a bad sort of health issues this year, I think. So yeah, big shame. And could affect the race. And I mean maybe Capture the Tour isn't dead, like like, Jesus! imagine if he goes. Um, But yeah, that's a shame. But otherwise, Benji, where do you expect? Do you expect to be an exciting race? Do you think they've done a parkour that will? I think it's a little MISC break heavy. I think there's one or two too many MISC break stages.
1: I think so as well. I don't like these breakaway stages in week two being three consecutive ones. I would like to see something more enticing in that. In that second week. So I hope there's some kind of race situation that occurs that makes one of those stages actually GC. But it's not very likely, is it? So, like far. Yeah. I think parkour-wise, I give it about a 7.5 out of 10. Yep. Nothing outrageous, nothing too crazy. But um, I think, just like every year, the riders make the race. And if we don't see anyone of the three GC favorites be outside of a minute or two minutes in GC after week one, and this could be a very good fucking Tour de France.
0: Oh, yeah. Like this is when you think of the epic moments, you think of that Sasha attack on Alpe d'Huez. You think of these, you know, that's what you want to see and that's what I'm just praying for, that we have a great battle. But thanks to Zwift. Make sure you join the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast, Zwift Club through the link down below. Give us your picks, roast our picks, roast my double down if you don't like it, if you think Pog is winning because you can't see the wood for the trees, slash you are smarter than me. Let us know. And um, yeah, we've really enjoyed doing this podcast. We've enjoyed your support. It's a, big, it's a lot of work putting this one together. If you want to uh, subscribe to the podcast on YouTube or give us a rating or review on podcast players, that's a big way to help us out and support us. Or follow us on Lanchon Rouge cycling podcast Twitter account. Thanks as always. We'll see you at the recap of stage one in, on Saturday. And yeah, see you then. Ciao.